You're listening to the Acadiana's Morning News Podcast, brought to you by LABI and always on kpal965.com. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning at 4 before the hour. Your Hollywood Minute has just arrived. Here's David Daniel. Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, Home Edition. Not even COVID-19 can stop the Disability Film Challenge. The genre this year is documentary, shot safely at home, of course, with all the same great prizes at stake as always. The short film contest, aimed at changing how disability is viewed, runs July 14th to 19th, and registration is open now. Info at disabilityfilmchallenge.com. I'm here with the Globe. I'm writing an article on an Operation Goliath. You can either tell me what really happened, or you can squander this precious opportunity. I'd be very careful before I print anything about this case. Or what? Don't want you to get hurt. Most Wanted, starring Josh Hartnett as a journalist investigating a drug case in Thailand involving a fall guy and crooked undercover cops. The thriller, based on a true story, debuts in theaters and on demand July 24th. Do you realize where we are? No. Scoob went from a planned theatrical release to video on demand when the coronavirus hit. Now the animated adventure has found another home, HBO Max. The streaming service also features original Scooby-Doo TV episodes, so it's a perfect place to let the movie's figurative fur fly. In Hollywood, I'm David Daniel. One ice cream maker, in an apparent move to avoid any frosty relationships, has opted for a name change. Correspondent Pat Piper has details. America's most famous ice cream treat, Eskimo Pie. Calling the name inappropriate, Dreyer's Ice Cream says the company is committed to being a part of the solution on racial equality. Patented in 1922, there later became concern by some who considered the word Eskimo as derogatory to the Inuit tribes. Dreyer says he'll have a new name by the end of the year. Finest ice cream, finest chocolate. It's delicious. I'm Pat Piper. America in the Morning for Monday, June 22nd, 2020 is produced by Tom DeLac. Our senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout, Westwood One News. Are you looking to hire an IT specialist or a logistics expert? a medical technician, or a security professional? Well, there are some very qualified candidates out there. America's wounded warriors. These men and women returning from battle are eager to get back to life at home and a good job. Some have wounds you can see, and some have wounds you can't see, like post-traumatic stress disorder. For these accomplished professionals, Wounded Warrior Project has developed the Warriors to Work program a career counseling service that helps wounded warriors translate their military experience to the civilian workplace. These warriors have world-class job skills and a unique perspective on teamwork. And to ensure proper placement for each individual, Wounded Warrior Project works with employers to find just the right candidate for the job. When your company is looking to hire talented, highly trained employees, contact Wounded Warrior Project at findwwp.org. Welcome home the brave. Get the free KPL News app in the App Store and Google Play. News Talk 96.5 KPEL, Brobridge, Lafayette. It has nothing to do with making money. 
I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. That's what John Bolton insists the day before his book comes out. It has everything to do with making sure that the constitutional responsibilities that are accorded to different branches of government are carried out. The former National Security Advisor also tells ABC News if he testified about the Ukraine controversy at President Trump's impeachment trial, it would not have made a difference, as Democrats have maintained. He didn't learn lessons from it other than that he could get away with it. Now, Bolton also claims the president asked China for help in his re-election, then Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney just told Fox that's not true, and Bolton never said anything at the time. I cringed. I mean, and I imagine that that former chiefs of staff and former national security advisors, former cabinet secretaries from all administrations cringed to watch sort of the betrayal of confidence last night the by Trump John Bolton. The, the Trump administration is continuing a legal battle over classified information they allege that is in that book. NASCAR is investigating a noose that was discovered yesterday in the garage of the only black driver before the rained out race at Talladega in Alabama. Bubba Wallace says he'll not give in or back down. He led the push for NASCAR to ban Confederate flags at race venues. There was a shooting in Charlotte, North Carolina during a block party around midnight. Two people are dead, seven injured, Five others were hurt as they were hit by vehicles as they ran away. The results of it just kind of it got out of hand, and uh, uh, it was something that we never want to see. That's Deputy Police Chief Johnny Jennings. It was also shooting that somebody seriously injured last night inside that Seattle chop zone created by protesters. New York City which led the U.S. in coronavirus cases has had a decline continuing, so more things will reopen today. What does phase two of New York City's reopening look like? It means 300,000 people will be coming back to work in offices, and there will be outdoor dining allowed, as well as some in-store shopping and hair salon visits. That's Fox's Tanya J. Powers. America's listening to Fox News. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No. Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. It's back to work this week in Congress on two separate plans to reform policing after weeks of protests demanding racial justice. South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott says he's hopeful to win bipartisan support for the Justice Act. We make it about families who've lost loved ones, about restoring trust, about respecting officers. Scott took ideas from the House Democrats' Justice and Policing Act, but California Democrat Karen Bass says the Senate measure is too watered down. Our bill, which is bold, transformative, has teeth, has enforcement measures. A key sticking point between the two offers is qualified immunity. Democrats are pushing for limits to make it easier for police officers to face civil action for misconduct. On Capitol Hill, Jared Halpern, Fox News. The coronavirus 
coronavirus has hit meat processing facilities hard in recent months. Many had to shut down across the U.S. It's still affecting Tyson, which is dealing with hundreds of cases at facilities in Arkansas, and China is taking notes. China's customs agency suspending poultry imports from a Tyson Foods plant in the U.S. after coronavirus cases were confirmed among the plant's employees. Sunday's announcement giving no details of that facility's location or how much meat might be affected. Meantime, a PepsiCo facility in Beijing has suspended production and was disinfected after a confirmed COVID-19 case was found there on June 15th. The company saying Saturday 480 people were placed in isolation on June 15th and tested negative for the coronavirus. Paul Stevens, Fox News. On Wall Street, stocks could go up to begin the week. Dow futures are up by more than 100 points. Golf held its second tournament without fans since the corona shutdowns and Webb Simpson was the winner in South Carolina days after Nick Watney had to withdraw, becoming the first PGA golfer to test positive for the virus. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Hi, today, 88 degrees with storms in the forecast. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick with this update. The systematic recovery of Louisiana's health and economy from COVID-19 could take another step forward later today, or we could be stuck in phase two of the recovery for another three weeks. Here's Brooke Tharrington. Public Affairs Research Council President Robert Travis Scott says Edwards' decision is certainly complicated by the recent spike in COVID numbers across nearly every region of the state. He says Edwards will have to determine whether or not this rise could eventually threaten our health care capacity. This was somewhat expected. The question is, are we just going to bump up and reach a new plateau? Or is this trend line the beginning of something that's going to be a little more alarming? But notes if the state doesn't move into phase three this week, it might not be a big loss. There's a lot that's open and, and working right now. I'm Brooke Thorrington. A 19-year-old was arrested on the scene of a stabbing in Lafayette on Saturday. Police say it happened on Maryview Farm Road shortly before midnight. The victim, 18-year-old Holden White, had a large stab wound to his neck. He was taken to the hospital. Now the suspect, Chance Seneca, was still on the scene and was taken into custody. He was charged with attempted second-degree murder. 21-year-old Aaron Gutierrez was one of the people injured in last Sunday's shooting on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. He's been arrested. It comes after Lafayette police say video surveillance helped determine that he was the one who pulled the trigger. Now that he's out of the hospital, Gutierrez has been booked into the Lafayette Parish Jail on a charge of attempted second-degree murder. The search for a missing boater who went overboard during an incident that happened about two miles off of Sippermore Point June 19th, well, that search has been suspended. Officials with the U.S. Coast Guard made the announcement Sunday afternoon after searching continuously for the boater for more than 25 hours. Some good news for some local students. KTC reporting that Como High School's Rashawn Lede has been named national championship in the National Speech and Debate Association's National Tournament. Como High School students Presley Nutter and Jacob Foster named national runners-up. Nutter, an original oratory and Foster in dramatic interpretation, more than 300,000 students around the world competed for a chance to go to the finals. The Lafayette Parish School System is partnering with the GoGo Biblio Bookmobile Program to bring books to children in the community this summer. There are six schools in the parish that are hosting the Bookmobile. The GoGo Biblio Bookmobile will make stops this summer starting at Karen Crow Heights and Alice Boucher Elementary on Monday, June 22nd. They offer hundreds of books to choose from so kids can get prepared before school starts again in the fall. Governor John Bell Edwards is urging residents to participate in the 2020 U.S. Census. Kevin Barnhart has more. 
fill out that census form, get it back. Edwards says so far, Louisiana has had a 54% response rate. But we are dead last in the Gulf South. It's more than just a headcount. This is our chance that we only get once every 10 years. The federal government relies on all this information to help guide distribution of about $1.5 trillion worth of spending. The pandemic has resulted in more time to complete the census. There are three ways to participate by snail mail, by phone, and online. My2020census.gov, but it's been extended till Halloween. I'm Kevin Barnhart. A Sports Illustrated report says at least 30 LSU football players have been isolated after they either tested positive for COVID-19 or had contact with players who did test positive. Some of the quarantined players admitted that they visited nightclubs near LSU's campus, which has been the source of over 100 new cases. Tiger Rag editor Ron Higgins says players have to stay away from large crowds. For them to wander off campus and go party and, and, and pick this stuff up is, uh, honestly, it's inexcusable, really. The state health department has received at least 100 reports of patrons and staff from multiple Tigerland bars testing positive for COVID-19. Anyone who visited Tigerland bars that weekend should consider themselves exposed to COVID-19 and self-quarantine for 14 days. Higgins says LSU put a lot of effort into providing a safe environment for players to train, and Coach Ed Ogeron says they may be forced to tell players they are prohibited from entering bars. And if you're going to go outside and party and stuff, well, then I, I question a little bit about, I guess, your loyalty toward a program that's trying to do everything possible to get you back on the field to keep you safe. Numerous other schools have also reported players testing positive for COVID-19. Three Ragin' Cajuns athletes have also tested positive. The football season is still more than two months away, and Higgins says schools will continue to make the effort to play football this year. I think they barely want to play the season. How much of the season they'll play, I don't know. And uh, will there be any crowds? I don't know. An e pluribus unum survey shows a majority of Southern whites do not believe blacks have been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. Here's Matt Doyle. Nearly three-quarters of whites reported having been informed about the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on black citizens, but GBAO Strategies pollster Jim Kirstein says their survey shows that most whites don't think it's true. Only among black respondents do you see anybody saying that African-Americans and Hispanics have been more impacted by the pandemic. That's despite official Louisiana Department of Health data showing that 53% of Louisiana COVID deaths have been African-Americans who make up just a third of the population. I'm Matt Doyle. In some Political news, President Trump blaming the recent spike in coronavirus cases on an increase in testing. This weekend's rally in Tulsa, Trump said he urged his staff to slow down the testing so there would be fewer cases reported. The White House is responding, saying that Trump was clearly joking at his rally. About 26 million Americans have reportedly been tested for COVID-19. Teenagers on TikTok are taking credit for the empty seats at the rally this weekend in Tulsa. Earlier in the week, the Trump campaign claimed it had over a million requests for tickets to the rally in Tulsa. But the event was only about two-thirds full. The fire marshal there says 6,200 people were actually inside that arena. Now hundreds of teens and K-pop fans on TikTok claiming they registered for hundreds of thousands of tickets for a rally they never planned to attend. The one-time global epicenter for COVID-19 is reporting its lowest increase in deaths since the start of the pandemic. Italy reported just 24 deaths on Sunday, the lowest one-day total since March 2nd. The country's death toll stands at more than 34,000, while the active number of cases just under 21,000. However, Italy still ranks fourth in the world in deaths behind the United States, Brazil, and the U.K.
Well, after a fairly hot stretch of weather, we've got some relief on the way, but that's going to be coming in the form of some showers. A pretty wet forecast here through the first half of the work week. You've got 70 to 80 percent rain chances rolling all the way through Wednesday. Showers and thunderstorms going to be with us throughout the day today. Do be on the lookout for an isolated strong thunderstorm or two. That will continue all the way through the rest of the week as well. I think when all is said and done, could be looking at several inches worth of rainfall, maybe two, two and a half inches as we go through Wednesday into Thursday. As far as temperatures go, we're sitting in the upper 80s today, about 87 degrees here in the afternoon with your lows down in the mid-70s. Looking pretty similar temperature-wise over the next couple of days. Winds from the southwest at 8 to 12 miles an hour. Keep the umbrellas with you as you make your way about town this week. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. This portion of the KDN Morning News Talk 96.5 Discover. KPL. Get your free credit scorecard with your FICO credit score, even if you're not a customer. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard limitations apply. And the traffic looking around Acadiana, all good. All right now the interstate's all working as they should. Make sure to buckle it up and keep it safe out there. If there's anything else we need to know about, you can give us a call at 232 Here for you in times of uncertainty. Tracking coronavirus, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick on this Town Square Media Station. Team you can rely on even on the darkest days. I'm Bernadette Lee with your news and information update. We're working for you on air, behind the scenes every single day. We're following a potential hazmat situation on I-10 this morning. As you get out and hit the road, Bernie's got the information you need to know. Your radio home for news and information for more than 60 years. You know, it's every I need in the morning. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Good morning. Welcome into Acadiana's Morning News. The sun coming up just a little bit, but it is cloudy out there. As you heard in that forecast, about a 70% chance of showers and storms today will get up to 88 degrees. And then, of course, moving through the week, still pretty much the same showers and storms on and off. Kind of this regular summer rain trend that we're used to. Um, there's some disturbed weather off the East Coast. No real worries for us here at this point. Uh, 616 now at News Talk 96.5. KPL coming up. We're going to talk to Steve Peliquin about the weekend in sports and really just what, what, what we're doing. Um, there was another PGA tournament, as you heard at the top of the hour. One player... I'm out because of a COVID-19 positive test. But the no spectator thing, I mean, I sort of feel like if if any sport can do it, golf is the one. Uh, The spectator is always just sort of extra. I mean, maybe it's a good thing for the players to have that, you know, kind of extra little bit of support standing beside them. Cool. Um, It watches the same. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. When you're watching on TV, it still looks the same. Um, also it is the kickoff of eat Lafayette, um, tailored to the times we're living in right now. Obviously so many people enjoying, uh, the great food that we have in our area by delivery and by, um, you know, takeout curbside, uh, a big thing about that, but you can still eat local when you do that. So we're going to be talking about eat Lafayette coming up. Also, uh, Blake Miguez is going to be joining us at seven 30. Uh, there were some gun bills. He was obviously very instrumental in. Uh, that the governor signed, I think, to a lot of folks' surprise. Um, but good if you are uh, into hunting, into pro-Second Amendment legislation. All of that happened and all of that getting approved. So we're going to talk to Blake Miguez. Also, tort reform 
and how does it sort of move forward? He's telling me a bit about, you know, a way that they see forward for this, and we'll just have to see exactly how that kind of plays out. Um, all that and more coming up on Acadiana's Morning News. Of course, your check of weather, sports, and um, we'll tell you about some, you know, troubling scams that are going on. If there's one thing that really makes me mad, it is people who get scammed, who, you know what, don't have the money to be scammed in the way that they are. We're talking about you know, people who have fallen on hard times. Maybe they're elderly, and uh, that little bit of companionship, little bit of friendship goes such a long way. So we're going to be talking to Chris Babin from the Better Business Bureau of Acadiana this morning as well. So another start to another big week of summertime. And, you know, as we really sort of look ahead, um, we're going to be talking about phase two and phase three of the reopening. So this afternoon at two o'clock, the governor is going to be making an announcement about what we're going to do. Are we going to stay for a few more weeks at phase two? Are we going to move to phase three? Um you know, I sort of feel like a lot of the things that we didn't have kind of came back in phase two. You're really just talking about those limits on on seating capacity. And that's a big one because um, in, in all the cases where it's 50% right now, it would go up to 75%. So something to look at. We're going to carry uh, his comments for you this afternoon, at least the top of them. Um, you know, sometimes the question and answer gets pretty long, but we could take that statement off the top and see what happens. It's 619 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. This is the place where all opinions are welcome. Every color gets through, and people on all sides of the issue can hash it out. And if you don't think you have a voice, you're wrong. It can be heard now by calling 232-1542. That's 232-1542. Steven. Steven, why won't you call me? Steven, why won't you call me? That's right, it is Steve Peliquin at 624 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL Monday, June 22nd, 2020. And sports looked, I guess, the most normal that it has in the last few months. Good morning to you, Steve. Good morning. How are you, Rob? Look, I I can't complain. Um, I watched golf yesterday, and um, I'll be honest. The spectators were really just a distraction. I'm actually completely fine with this new way. I'd be happy if they never let it. I'm just kidding. I know people like to go to golf tournaments and see this stuff up close. But you know what? It was was maybe the most normal thing we've seen in, in quite a while. And that's what we need, you know, some normalcy. But it might be a while before we get it. You know, I say that, and again, as I've been saying for, for four months, nobody really knows. You know, the NBA made the uh, made the decision to come back on July 31st, but they were going to come back in Orlando, Florida with 22 teams. And, of course, now you've got reports of the coronavirus um, uh, numbers uh, spiking once again in Florida, which brings us to Major League Baseball. And, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, with Major League Baseball, the reason why they're not playing is because the owners and the players can't come uh, together on an agreement, which is partially correct. And as a matter of fact, it's largely correct. But even if they would have an agreement right now, they they could they couldn't have spring training because a, a number of major league players and executives and representatives tested positive for the uh, for the virus over the last couple of weeks in Florida. The other state 
in which numbers are spiking are in Arizona. Well, one of the two states yep. that Major League Baseball yep. holds spring training in is Arizona and Florida. So it's still very much up in the air. And, of course, now you got, you know, college athletes coming back. You know, the reports of, uh, what, 30 LSU athletes testing positive uh, for the virus last week. Uh, reports over the weekend that uh, a few members of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns and different sports tested uh, t- tested positive. It, it comes as no surprise to uh, to me. I mean, when you when you're in quarantine and you come out of it, I mean, you're you're going to have this a little bit. The question then becomes is, you know, okay, how much is is too much? And uh, you know, the bottom line is that nobody still knows. You know, uh, I, I guess fortunately, uh, I use that term kind of loosely. Fortunately, we have like two and a half months here to kind of figure it out before uh, you know football season begins. You know, I remember when all this first started happening, I can't remember which league it was, but one of them was like, let's find an island where there's no one and let's just go there or, you know, or where there is no, no trace of the virus and let's just go there. Then we know we're all safe. We just keep on playing everything else. I kind of wonder in watching what has been said about the LSU players. And then I would imagine for the UL players as well. I mean, there's some people who are kind of mad because they're trying to do everything they can to keep these players safe, and then they are still able to go out. You know, they still, you know, a a lot of these were related to the Tigerland bars area, and and yes, the members of the general public can go, and so, you know, you don't want to say, like, take away all their freedom, but I I do think that there's probably something there to say, hey, we want to be able to play, and I mean, this is a huge part of LSU's livelihood to be able to do this and to keep them safe, you know? Yeah, and, you know, the, the other thing, though, too, is, you know, you're going to have these athletes on campus where, you know, there are going to be some positive tests. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's just that's kind of just the way it is. And, you know, there will be some students that are going to come back. You can't quarantine the athletes, you know, all the time. Obviously, you quarantine them if, if they come back with a positive test, mm-hmm. but you, you can't just quarantine them all the time. I think the problem is, is when you you have all the other students that, that come back into the situation. And, you know, for the athletes that, that do test positive, I mean, you know, they're there for involuntary workouts. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those things, involuntary workouts, the, uh, uh, the, the workouts mandated by the NCAA or allowed by the NCAA, uh, they don't even come into effect until, until next month. So you got to feel for these athletes a little bit. I mean, they, you know, they're away from home. Um, you know, there's no students on campus, uh, you know, they're there to, you know, to help the football team or, you know, other sports, whatever they might be working out with. And, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, they got to be quarantined, you know, away from home for a couple of weeks. So I feel for them, but, you know, it's kind of just the way that it is in the world right now. You know, let's just hope that uh, we get rid of this, uh, you know, as, as, as soon as could be to get back, like you said, to uh, a life of normalcy, because I have nothing against golf. You know, I really don't. I watch all the the major tournaments, you know, U.S. Open and the British Open and the Masters and, you know, the PGA and, and, and whatnot. But I'm kind of like you. And when, when I'm sitting there watching a golf tournament with no fans and, you know, it, it's not a major tournament and, you know, it's in it's in June because there's nothing else going on. And I'm just watching for the, for the competition. I guess I'd just soon as well watch, you know, like teen handball or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a great recipe for a good nap. It's quiet. The commentators are very soft-spoken in what they do, and so it's great. I, I I say I'm watching golf. I'm really just trying to take a nap under the guise of I'm not taking a nap during the day. Uh, Steve Peliquin from ESPN 1420, he's an in-demand guy today. Got to let you go for time. Thanks so much for your time, sir. 
Rob, as always, it's been your pleasure. All right, it is 629 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Quick break here, back with a check of some national headlines, and then we march forward. Uh, coming up at 640 this morning, we will talk about Eat Lafayette and the taste of Eat Lafayette, which is getting ramped up for the summertime. All that and more just ahead on Acadiana's Morning News. Phone lines are open. Call the show at 232-1542. 232-1542. Then listen live anytime with the free KPL News app, free in the App Store or Google Play. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter, she's been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL965.com. And now some national headlines this Thursday morning, two minutes and 12 seconds. That's how long Richard Brooks was bleeding before two Atlanta officers called for medical help. The district and now more news all- from around the country in New Jersey University, changing the name of one of its primary buildings. Monmouth University will remove Woodrow Wilson's name from a building, citing the president's racist policies. The move comes four years after students asked the school trustees to change it. However, now President Patrick F. Leahy says the context has changed. Talking to the New York Times, he said that there's a heightened awareness about the former president's racist policies. A New York police officer who appeared to use a chokehold to arrest a black man in Queens on Sunday has been suspended without pay. The announcement came from NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea on Twitter. He said while a full investigation into the instance is underway, immediate action was necessary. Earlier, the NYPD's news Twitter released the officer's body cam footage saying an investigation was underway. It comes less than a week after New York City banned the use of chokeholds within their police department. The FBI is looking into a shooting in Minneapolis, which left at least one person dead and 11 more injured. Gunfire erupted early Sunday morning in a large gathering on Hennepin Avenue. Police don't believe the shooting is related to protests over the death of George Floyd. Investigators say they are following a number of leads, but no arrests have been made. Mayor of Minneapolis also considering whether to reimpose a curfew in the city. Some fans are protesting NASCAR's decision to ban the Confederate flag at their races. A plane trailing a large Confederate flag with the words defund NASCAR flew over Alabama's Talladega Super Speedway before yesterday's Geico 500 race got started. Outside, a parade of cars drove by while flying the flag on the back of their cars. NASCAR driver Ed Sugg flew the Confederate flag and a Donald Trump 2020 flag at his merchandise booth outside of the racetrack. Unfavorable weather conditions delayed that race until today. In an effort to social distance, only about 5,000 spectators were there in attendance. The man behind the Senate Republican police reform bill says accountability is a big part of it. On ABC's This Week, Senator Tim Scott specifically talked about stiffer penalties for false police reports. 
The South Carolina Republican added that character-driven law enforcement needs to be better emphasized. Senator Mark Warner says John Bolton has managed to do something really rare with his news book. On CBS's Face the Nation, the Virginia Democrat says his party and Republicans are united in their anger at Bolton. Warner says Democrats are mad because Bolton didn't testify earlier this year. He adds that Republicans are upset about the book being released this week. And finally, a new petition is calling for a change to the name of Ohio's capital city. The online petition is looking to another Italian, Guy Fieri, to rename the city Flavortown in honor of the restaurateur who was born in Columbus, Ohio. It's an attempt to distance the city from Christopher Columbus. Now, Fieri, who's noted for his charity work, including raising more than $20 million for restaurant workers during the pandemic, is more about what the city's about, says Tyler Woodbridge, who started the online petition. The online sign-up had more than 20,000 signatures yesterday afternoon. The mayor of Columbus, Ohio, said it had already taken down a statue of the Italian explorer outside City Hall and placing it in storage. Showers and storms across Acadiana throughout the rest of the day today. Temperatures getting up to around 87 degrees in the afternoon with your overnight lows settling down in the mid-70s. Winds from the southwest at about 8 to 12 miles an hour. Staying rainy here over the next couple of days. Could be looking at several inches of rainfall through the midweek. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Acadiana's Morning News is brought to you in part by the TJ Martell Foundation. Join the T.J. Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. Your support helps save more lives. Visit tjmartell.org to learn more. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Right now, traffic. Roads are good across Acadiana. Interstate's flowing just as they should. And that's a good news, a little piece of good news for you this morning. We're going to be talking to the folks at Eat Lafayette. Here coming up in just a couple minutes about what's going on with this annual tradition that's happening and how they're adapting in the COVID-19 recovery. That and more coming up. Welcome back to Acadiana's Morning News. It is 6.39 now. We're going to be talking about Eat Lafayette coming up. But to bring your attention to some stories we have on our website, kpal965.com. The search has been suspended in Vermilion Bay. The Coast Guard had been looking for someone who went overboard. Um, they searched for about 25 hours before calling it off. You could read about it at kpal965.com. And, of course, you can take KPL wherever you go with the free KPEL News app. So, the Eat Lafayette, something that has happened every summer for several years, and this year is no exception, even though things are going to be just a little bit different. Ken Veron joins us on the phone, I believe. A good morning uh, to talk about Eat Lafayette. How are you? Good morning. How you doing? Hey, we're good doing... To talk to you, Rob. Thanks for having me. So. Absolutely. So, tell me about this, because there are some changes that have to happen, but Really, kind of the meat and the goal of what Lafayette is all about is still standing strong. Well, the changes are we've gotten bigger and we've gotten better. Oh, that, <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> we, you know, we started off, you know, it was you know a handful of restaurants 16 years ago, and now it's grown to over 200 this year in particular. And uh, you know, I, I think everybody's just ready for this campaign. Yes, um, it's it. So uh, we're, we're excited, you know, uh, you know, you said some things have changed, but, you know, 
we haven't changed in terms of our restaurants. You know, we, we're still the same. And, you know, and we're looking forward to seeing everybody over the summertime. Well, you so. know, and I was going to say some of the changes have been, you know, that people have found a way. Restaurant owners have found a way to make sure that people living in our area can still get the great food. Um, I know every year during Eat Lafayette, there's an unsanctioned competition of just what Rob likes. Okay. And so I, so I, <laughs> I usually uh, go around, end up giving a bronze, a gold, a platinum award, and I'm telling you, there's just so much good food. Year after year, I have a hard time even figuring it out. But, you know, it's good to support these locally owned businesses. Ken, I, I often think when we have a restaurant that has to close in our area, you know, the immediate sort of feeling that people have emotionally is like, oh, my gosh. That's my favorite place. That's where he went for my college graduation. That's where my parents took us on special occasions. And the, the my next question is always, well, when's the last time you went there? Because I think sometimes people forget it's a business that has its own bills and has to pay their own people. So supporting these local businesses in this way is just a win-win all around. It sure is. And look, we, we're having some unprecedented challenges here right now in small business. And uh, now, now we, we, local restaurants need to support more than ever. And, you know, times are tight, things are strange. But when you do go out, when you are looking to, to dine, just think of the local people first. It's so important. You can uh, so. find out more about this and look at the full list of reference of restaurants at LafayetteTravel.com slash Lafayette. It has all the information there, um, and, and Ken, I always look forward to talking to you because you are so passionate about the restaurants, you know, and, and kind of what they bring to the, the landscape, what they bring to the fabric of our own community, and it's right there at the center. Well, we are so rich in this area. I mean, you know, like you said, we have so much good food, and it's so important to our cultural fabric. I mean, these restaurants are what makes what makes up Lafayette. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the nostalgia. You know, oh, this is a place I went to in high school for this special occasion. I mean, we are in the memory business. You know, we we, we, we are trying to bring that experience to every single one of our diners. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just so important. I mean, this is this is what Lafayette's about. I mean, it's our food, our culture, it's our music, it's, it's everything. we got to preserve this and the only way to do that is to go out and support and enjoy what these restaurants do that's right that's right well everything kicks off today thanks for coming on for the kickoff day i know it's going to be a busy one for you um eat lafayette's got to run through september 13th this year so get out support that local business uh, you can again find out more at lafayettetravel.com slash eat lafayette ken baron thanks so much for your time thank you rob thanks for helping us put the message out and you have a great day sir all right thank you so much talk to you soon Okay. 6.43 now at News Talk 96.5. KPL coming up, Kim, Kim Commando. Then we'll take a look at the KPL topic train. Maybe we'll try to jump on as it speeds past us. We'll do that all coming up right here on Acadiana's Morning News. Stay with us. Let's begin the week with my five most important tips to make you look your best on all your video calls. Your Monday Consumer Tech Update is brought to you by Simply Safe, designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7. Go to simplysafekim.com and get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Number one. Treat all video calls just as if you're on live television. Your room is your studio set. Light yourself well. Keep the room window in front of you, never behind. Number two, never slouch. Sit up straight, comb your hair, and check your makeup. Treat video calls as if you're making a live presentation in front of real people because you are. Number three, clean up and pare down whatever's behind you. Unload the bookshelves. Make them straight and professional. Less is always more. Number four, when you're not talking, mute your mic. And number five, when it is your turn to talk, make eye contact directly into the webcam. Do not let your eyes dart around 
and always smile as much as possible. I'm Kim Commando. In today's digital world, identity protection is an absolute necessity. There's a big identity protection company out there, but did you know there's a better one? I switched to Identity Guard, and here's why. First, their security is top-notch. Identity Guard has been around for almost 25 years and has helped protect nearly 50 million people, and never once have they been breached. That's powerful security. Second, they protect you with some of the fastest alerts in the industry. You'll receive credit-related alerts in near real-time. In fact, Identity Guard is the only provider that integrates directly with all three credit bureaus. And why does speed matter? Because the sooner you're alerted that someone is using your identity, the sooner you can stop it. And third, they're offering an incredible deal. Get up to 33% off with plans starting at less than $7 a month at IdentityGuard.com slash Kim. That's IdentityGuard.com slash Kim. IdentityGuard.com slash Kim. The KPL Topic Train is running right on time. Driven by Bruce Hart Poche, LLP, certified public accountants. It is 6.46 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Welcome into Acadiana's Morning News and the KPL Topic Train. Also, we welcome in our own blonde bombshell, Bernadette Lee. <laughs> good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Look, the, the train is speeding past us fast. So I we think have so, to, sir. We have to uh, jump, jump on here. Um, it's Monday morning here, and of course, the topic train brought to you by Bruce Hart Poche LLP, your firm, firm for a lifetime. So a, a new study has found that being a cat lover uh-huh. makes men less attractive to you. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Um, also, it goes Why? the same way. Okay. Okay. Women rated guys as less masculine and less dateable when they saw a picture of them with a cat in the background. <laughs> oh, this is great. Um, this research comes from Colorado State University who took various photos of men. Okay. Some by themselves. Uh-huh. And some holding a cat. <laughs> now, <laughs> honestly, this seems like some cat haters who did right. this study because they didn't That's let them hold it. What like, if you were holding a snake? Right. Like, what if you were holding a bulldog? Would that be like, oh, macho? But right. no, you're holding a cat. So, you know, if you're, uh, if you're on the Tinder, Bumble, Match.com game, <laughs> maybe put your cat down. Right? So they have rated them less attractive. Yes. Yes. Um, yesterday, it was Father's Day, and I caught myself multiple times doing very fatherly things. Okay. You're putting too much meat on the grill. Yeah. You know, okay, I mean, good they stuff. Were, there were about four people over. Uh-huh. I cooked for 36. That's, you know, that's just how it goes. I was going to say, that's like normal, It's right? a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't decide. And so my brother-in-law literally was like, hey, are you really cooking that many pork chops? I said, well, yeah, because we want pork chops. That's just the pack that I had in there. <laughs> well, then why do we need sausage? Because I want some sausage, too. You know, I mean, you just kind of run through the whole thing. Right. Um, twice yesterday, they were coming in and out of my back door, and uh-huh. I went to scream, don't slam that door. And it's like an adult. But I, You've turned into your parents. I totally have. Um, yeah. This list uh, came out in honor of Father's Day, and it's the 10 most common rules of the house that we all had growing up. Okay. You know, I want you to start thinking about one that stands out in your childhood, just a rule that you had. Okay, here are the top five. Um, a limit on TV time if it was a school night. 30% of people said they had okay. that. 
No sweets after dinner. 34% said that. Wow. Okay. Number three, you can't leave the table until you eat all your vegetables. That was 35%. No TV until homework is done. And finally, you <laughs> can't play until you finish your homework. That's Okay, that's a most. big one. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that would be the biggest one. Yeah. I um would always get messed up with daylight savings time because yeah. or daylight saving time. Saving time. Because there was a rule at my house and it was not like when the street lights come on. I know there's a lot of people who's who have that rule, like when yeah. the street lights came on, you gotta go home. Um my parents would turn the outside lights on, but the okay. garage would still be open. Okay. But if I was not home by a certain time, the garage would be put down and I had to go through the front door. And that's when I knew that was my, you know what? Right. Like it was, it was, it was a, a serious thing. <laughs> now, my parents were never huge about making us eat everything on our plate, but yeah, when we stood up from the table, we had to say, thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, that's really thank super you, nice. It. That's a, a good way to teach a kid to be grateful and, and yeah. thankful and yeah. complimentary. Well, and now I to find whoever that, the host is. I mean, yeah. Now, now I find I just have to make my kids like they say that, but then they just want to go do something else. They right. don't appreciate the time spent with us. Right. You know, and sometimes I'll be honest, I'll let them go. See ya. <laughs> Thanks. Give us a few minutes of peace. And like, we'll good finish to see y'all. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, so what did you have? What did, What was there like a rule that those stood out? all of those rules were the big ones? Yeah. Although, um, I don't know. I think the probably the biggest was also don't talk back. Ooh, yeah. You know? Yeah, because you get in a lot of trouble for that. But I, I sort of find I was actually having this conversation with someone not long ago because we raise our kids differently now. Uh -huh. OK. And. You know, even though, like, trust me, like I'm the one that disciplines. Okay? OK, I'm the tough one. Yeah. But even still, <laughs> I like to have fun with my kids. And uh, so when yeah. they like when they clap back at me uh -huh. about something with a funny, it may I say, you know, that was a good one. You know, or like the like the whole deal about um, you know, Sarah has a small tattoo, okay? Right. That we're having a serious conversation about why it's important to never write on yourself at school. Oh and the child says, Well, you wrote on yourself Yourself. Permanently. That is funny. That, like, is that is funny. Is, that is a well, funny Well, it's extra funny to any of us who are not you as the parent. And so I have to say, <laughs> now that was clever. That was very clever, but don't but... talk back. Right. Like, all I need you to say is yes, sir. Right. Like, I just need you to <laughs> say you understood. Now, I hope we get to a point where they say, I understand, uh -huh. but she wrote on herself permanently. Now that I could, right. I could okay. deal with, you know? <laughs> Your kids are great, I'm man. just saying. Is that, Are but, you scared for the future, Rob? I mean, honestly? You know what? I, I worry sometimes because they pick up on things like yeah. a sponge. And occasionally, like, the younger one will just be like... Oh, I don't have time for this <laughs> and walk out. And I realize it's because y'all said, said, said that, right? <laughs> or like, I don't have I'm time just, for this. Just frustrated right now. Anyway, um, another serious question that comes in the, uh, the day after Father's Day, I guess, yeah. is the question of how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Who doesn't know how to make a peanut butter I and jelly know. sandwich? Apparently, the internet has been arguing about the best way to make it. And if you're wondering okay. how many ways are, the answer is there are three. Okay. Okay. There are three ways. Wait a minute. There are three ways to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. So most people take two pieces of bread. Yes. They put peanut butter on one side. Okay. Jelly on the other side. Okay. Slap it together and call it a day. Okay. That's then, not my way, but. Another way another is way to is, put peanut butter and jelly 
On both on sides. On both sides. Right. We always did that. Then you put it together. Okay. Um, you toss the second piece of plain bread on top. Apparently, that's the one. Other uh, Another one says you put a little bit of peanut butter in the middle and on both sides of the bread, and you put the jelly in the middle. And when you put the jelly in the middle of peanut butter on both breads, it uh-huh. keeps the bread from getting soggy, Too soggy. from the jelly. Okay. Um. I, I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. I, just, I mean, I just really feel like. I mean, at that point, way, though, do you, yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. We always put the peanut butter on both sides of the bread. Okay. Then you put a little bit of jelly on both sides of the bread. So see, you did it the third way. And you mash it together. Yeah. You know, I don't, we never had soggy sandwiches. I'm going to be honest. I've never liked jelly for that reason. You don't, you never, don't you were never jelly. into peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Plain peanut butter always. No oh, jelly. No kidding. Mm-mm. Okay, I wait. I didn't like that, that might texture. Be it, why you you grew up too seriously. I also don't like. I didn't like bread pudding for the longest time for the same reason because it's just wet bread. And you were like, "This Gross. is this texture is weird and strange." Yeah, but now, now you love bread pudding. Oh now, oh now, yeah. You know, all it took me was for me to get that donut bread pudding one time at and Waco that rum Lins, sauce and mm-hmm. that diabetes diagnosis. Uh, now I feel like I have all. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the tools in my toolbox ready to go. Everything I have ever needed about it. <laughs> but that's good, too. Anyway. Hey, by the way, shout out to the folks at Fizos and Broussard. Yes. Um, we had this uh, four-course dinner there on Saturday night. Mm. It was a silent auction item. Yes. From the Martinis event last Sweet. year. Sweet. It was amazing. And you know what? They're doing a really good job. They have a ton of space there with some of the big banquet rooms. Yeah. They have everyone spread out. Super safe. So shout out to them. Nice. It was fun. All right, 654 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Back after this. Here for you in times of uncertainty. Tracking coronavirus, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick on this Town Square Media Station. Team, you can rely on even on the darkest days. I'm Bernadette Lee with your news and information update. We're working for you on air, behind the scenes every single day. We're following a potential hazmat situation on I-10 this morning. As you get out and hit the road, Bernie's got the information you need to know. Your radio home for news and information for more than six years. You know, it's everything I need in the morning. News Talk 96.5 KPL. So, after city commissioners voted to slash almost $16 million from the Portland police budget, hundreds of protesters showed up at Mayor Ted Wheeler's house. The protesters shouted, Black Lives Matter, and hands up, don't shoot. They weren't mad that the budget had been cut. They were in a total rage because the $16 million cut was so small. They wanted a $50 million cut from the police budget. And one of the city commissioners agrees with them. She voted against the $16 million cut because, in her view, it wasn't deep enough. Now, meanwhile, in nearby Washington state, protesters showed up at the home of Cheryl Selby. She's the mayor of Olympia. And they vandalized her home. The mayor had declined to issue a curfew. When the protest started in her area, she went out of her way to express solidarity with these protester human debris types. But now she is singing a different tune. She says the Black Lives Matter protesters who spray painted her home are like domestic terrorists. She says that she's still trying to process what happened to her home. She complains, it just isn't fair. I reached out. Well, Ms. Mayor, uh, even though the security and condition of your home matters to you, it doesn't matter to them. All homes, like all lives, don't matter to the left. Certainly yours doesn't. Life really is unfair sometimes, especially in your case, isn't it? What are you going to do?
Just because you can write does not qualify you to be a best-selling author. And the same logic applies to identity theft protection. You may be good at monitoring your credit, but that doesn't make you an authority on identity theft. Data breaches, your personal information gets in the wrong hands. This becomes complicated stuff. Cyber criminals commit identity theft every day. Now, on your own, you could miss certain identity threats, like somebody taking out a payday loan in your name, for instance. Or your information stolen as part of a data breach put out there on the dark web for other cyber bad guys to use for their own selfish gain. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft, but let me tell you, LifeLock has the tools and the know-how to help you like no other. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to LifeLock.com, promo code RUSH. That's it. LifeLock.com, promo code RUSH, 25%. The Rush Morning Update is brought to you by Luxury Limo of Lafayette. Book your next traveling party at LuxuryLimoOfLafayette.net. Get the latest headlines online anytime with the KPL News app. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play. KPEL FM, Brobridge, Lafayette. Who put it there? I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. That's what NASCAR's investigating after a noose was found in the garage of the only black driver at Talladega. Fox's Evan Brown on the case live. Yeah, Dave, NASCAR in a statement says they are outraged over the finding of a noose at the pit garage for the number 43 car, the Talladega Super Speedway outside Birmingham. The car is driven by Bubba Wallace, who is African-American. The incident happens after NASCAR bans the possession and display of Confederate flags and images at all races, a move the 26-year-old Wallace had been leading. Wallace is a Cup Series driver for the racing team owned by NASCAR legend Richard Petty, Dave. Evan, there was a shooting around midnight in Charlotte, North Carolina. Two people are dead, 12 injured, either shot or hit by cars as they ran away. In Seattle last night. Oh, that was also late last night and it was inside the chop zone. More shots fired, I'm running away. That's from a post on Twitch by Sean Gui. One person was reported in serious condition in that several block area. Protesters took over. A shooting left a man dead there on Saturday. John Bolton claims his new book out tomorrow isn't about making money. The ex-national security advisor claims President Trump tried to get Ukraine and China to help in his re-election. Democrats are upset Bolton didn't testify at the impeachment trial, but he tells ABC News it would have made no difference. Because mines were made up on Capitol Hill. But you, you're also saying... Now, Bolton hopes for a Trump 2020 loss, just a one-term president... Who didn't plunge the country irretrievably into a downward spiral we can't recall from. Now, the president calls him a wacko, says the book is illegal, full of classified information, and the president just tweeted again about expanded mail-in voting, claiming the 2020 election will be rigged with millions of ballots printed by foreign countries. And he also tweeted overnight the surge in coronavirus cases in many states is because of more testing that's more advanced. But New York City, which keeps seeing declines, will allow more things to open today. America's listening to Fox News. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No. 
Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. An American is among the terror attack victims in England over the weekend. One of the three people murdered in Reading when a man with a knife went on a rampage in a park, stabbing people randomly. A 25-year-old is in custody, understood to be a Libyan man who had been on the radar of security services. There could be a change in policy for the Trump administration in Venezuela, where the U.S. has recognized the opposition leader as in charge, not disputed President Nicolas Maduro. In a big turn of events, President Trump says he is now open to meeting with Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro. The president discussed the possibility during an interview on Friday in the Oval Office with Axios, adding that he is currently against what is going on in Venezuela. The development highlights the lack of structure in current American foreign policy. Previously, the president threw his support behind opposition leader Juan Guaido amid a deep socioeconomic crisis in Venezuela. That's Fox's Trey Yinks, fresh off the Tulsa, Oklahoma rally on Saturday with a smaller crowd than had been anticipated. President Trump is getting ready to hit the road again. The president tomorrow will spend time in Yuma, Arizona to survey the border wall and take part in a roundtable discussion with local leaders on border security. He'll then head to Phoenix to speak at the Students for Trump convention. Tuesday will be the president's third trip to Arizona during this election year and his first time to the border in Yuma since 2017. In February, the president held a campaign rally in Phoenix in front of a full house at Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum. A recent poll from Fox News had the president trailing former Vice President Joe Biden in Arizona by four points. In Washington, John Decker, Fox News. We could see some gains on Wall Street to start the new week of trading. Dow futures are up about 200 points. We've seen markets in Europe move higher, but overnight in Asia, markets were modestly lower. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. High today, 88 degrees with storms in the forecast. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick with this update. The systematic recovery of Louisiana's health and economy from COVID-19 could take another step forward later today. Or we could be stuck in phase two of the recovery for another three weeks. Here's Brooke Tharrington. Public Affairs Research Council President Robert Travis Scott says Edwards' decision is certainly complicated by the recent spike in COVID numbers across nearly every region of the state. He says Edwards will have to determine whether or not this rise could eventually threaten our health care capacity. This was somewhat expected. The question is, are we just going to bump up and reach a new plateau? Or is this trend line the beginning of something that's going to be a little more alarming? But notes if the state doesn't move into phase three this week, it might not be a big loss. There's a lot that's open and, and working right now. I'm Brooke Thorington. A 19-year-old was arrested on the scene of a stabbing in Lafayette on Saturday. Police say it happened on Maryview Farm Road shortly before midnight. The victim, 18-year-old Holden White, had a large stab wound to his neck. He was taken to the hospital. Now the suspect, Chance Seneca, was still on the scene and was taken into custody. He was charged with attempted second-degree murder. 21-year-old Aaron Gutierrez was one of the people injured in last Sunday's shooting on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. He's been arrested. It comes after Lafayette police say video surveillance helped determine that he was the one who pulled the trigger. Now that he's out of the hospital, Gutierrez has been booked into the Lafayette Parish Jail. 
on a charge of attempted second-degree murder. The search for a missing boater who went overboard during an incident that happened about two miles off of Sippermore Point June 19th, well, that search has been suspended. Officials with the U.S. Coast Guard made the announcement Sunday afternoon after searching continuously for the boater for more than 25 hours. Some good news for some local students. KTC reporting that Como High School's Rashawn Lede has been named national championship in the National Speech and Debate Association's National Tournament. Como High School students Presley Nutter and Jacob Foster named national runners-up. Nutter, an original oratory and Foster in dramatic interpretation, more than 300,000 students around the world competed for a chance to go to the finals. The Lafayette Parish School System is partnering with the GoGo Biblio Bookmobile Program to bring books to children in the community this summer. There are six schools in the parish that are hosting the Bookmobile. The GoGo Biblio Bookmobile will make stops this summer starting at Karen Crow Heights and Alice Boucher Elementary on Monday, June 22nd. They offer hundreds of books to choose from so kids can get prepared before school starts again in the fall. Governor John Bell Edwards is urging residents to participate in the 2020 U.S. Census. Kevin Barnhart has more. Fill out that census form, get it back. Edwards says so far Louisiana has had a 54% response rate. But we are dead last in the Gulf South. It's more than just a headcount. This is our chance that we only get once every 10 years. The federal government relies on all this information to help guide distribution of about $1.5 trillion worth of spending. The pandemic has resulted in more time to complete the census. There are three ways to participate by snail mail, by phone, and online. My2020census.gov, but it's been extended till Halloween. I'm Kevin Barnhart. A Sports Illustrated report says at least 30 LSU football players have been isolated after they either tested positive for COVID-19 or had contact with players who did test positive. Some of the quarantined players admitted that they visited nightclubs near LSU's campus, which has been the source of over 100 new cases. Tiger Rag editor Ron Higgins says players have to stay away from large crowds. For them to wander off campus and go party and, and, and pick this stuff up is... Uh... Honestly, it's inexcusable, really. The state health department has received at least 100 reports of patrons and staff from multiple Tigerland bars testing positive for COVID-19. Anyone who visited Tigerland bars that weekend should consider themselves exposed to COVID-19 and self-quarantine for 14 days. Higgins says LSU put a lot of effort into providing a safe environment for players to train, and Coach Ed Ogeron says they may be forced to tell players they're prohibited from entering bars. And if you're going to go outside and party and stuff, well, then I, I question a little bit uh, about, I guess, your loyalty toward a program that's trying to do everything possible to get you back on the field to keep you safe. Numerous other schools have also reported players testing positive for COVID-19. Three Ragin' Cajuns athletes have also tested positive. The football season is still more than two months away, and Higgins says schools will continue to make the effort to play football this year. I think they barely want to play the season. How much of the season they'll play, I don't know. And uh, will there be any crowds? I don't know. An e pluribus unum survey shows a majority of Southern whites do not believe blacks have been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. Here's Matt Doyle. Nearly three-quarters of whites reported having been informed about the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on black citizens, but GBAO Strategies pollster Jim Kirstein says their survey shows that most whites don't think it's true. Only among black respondents do you see anybody saying that African Americans and Hispanics have been more impacted by the pandemic. That's despite official Louisiana Department of Health data showing that 53% of Louisiana COVID deaths have been African Americans who make up just a third of the population. I'm Matt Doyle. In some 
political news, President Trump blaming the recent spike in coronavirus cases on an increase in testing. This weekend's rally in Tulsa, Trump said he urged his staff to slow down the testing so there would be fewer cases reported. The White House is responding, saying that Trump was clearly joking at his rally. About 26 million Americans have reportedly been tested for COVID-19. Teenagers on TikTok are taking credit for the empty seats at the rally this weekend in Tulsa. Earlier in the week, the Trump campaign claimed it had over a million requests for tickets to the rally in Tulsa, but the event was only about two-thirds full. The fire marshal there says 6,200 people were actually inside that arena. Now hundreds of teens and K-pop fans on TikTok claiming they registered for hundreds of thousands of tickets for a rally they never plan to attend. The one-time global epicenter for COVID-19 is reporting its lowest increase in deaths since the start of the pandemic. Italy reported just 24 deaths on Sunday, the lowest one-day total since March 2nd. The country's death toll stands at more than 34,000, while the active number of cases just under 21,000. However, Italy still ranks fourth in the world in deaths behind the United States, Brazil, and the UK. Showers and storms across Acadiana throughout the rest of the day today. Temperatures getting up to around 87 degrees in the afternoon with your overnight lows settling down in the mid-70s. Winds from the southwest at about 8 to 12 miles an hour. Staying rainy here over the next couple of days. Could be looking at several inches of rainfall through the midweek. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Acadiana's Morning News is brought to you in part by the TJ Martell Foundation. Join the T.J. Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. Your support helps save more lives. Visit tjmartell.org to learn more. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Right now, traffic. Double-checking what's happening in traffic. Southeast of Angeline Thruway at Surrey Street. We got a report of a fender bender there. That's southeast of Angeline Thruway at Surrey. Also, a little bit earlier, Rayburn Street. Near Crystal Bay, that's Rayburn Street near Crystal Bay. Please buckle up out there. Keep it safe. I pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance. To the flag. To the flag. Of the United States. The United States. Of America. America. And to the Republic. To Republic. For which it stands. Which it stands. One nation. One nation. Under God. Under God. Indivisible. Indivisible. With liberty and justice for all. That's all. Amen. All right, it is 714 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to Acadiana's Morning News. So when you start to talk about you know, people who pull themselves out of poverty, mm-hmm. make something of themselves that you know nothing... No one has ever done in their family. Maybe right. the first to graduate from college. Maybe the first to, you know, to get an executive level job. One of the things that often comes along with that is moving out of wherever they were. Lo- location. I mean, like yeah. actually, like the neighborhood where they were le- living. And um, we're finding out more and more as we continue to look at stats in different communities and impoverished communities that. That is what happens, but then it leaves a void in those areas as well. Uh, Michael Petrilli joins us on the phone. Good morning to you. This, uh, this, uh, this research and you know, kind of way of looking at things is so interesting because I think a lot of people don't even think about that aspect of actually having to move from where you live. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you. So, so tell us how this yeah. came about and tell us about some of this research. 
Sure. No, happy to. So, look, uh, we have known for a long time that if you go to college, uh, in general, you'll make more money than if you don't. Uh, and so people talk about that college earnings premium and how that is a big factor in why we see this rising income inequality throughout the country. We were curious, though, how that plays out based on geography. Nobody had actually looked at that before. And so uh, uh, we had to study John Winters at Iowa State University to look at that question. And what he found, not surprisingly, is that uh, it varies dramatically based on location uh, in terms of how much bang for the buck you get from a college degree. That really uh, the big sky high salaries that some people are getting uh, from going to college are mostly if they move to big metro areas, uh, you know, the, the like Washington, D.C., where I live, or New York City, San Francisco, uh, Chicago. Uh, but less so if you stay in smaller metro areas or certainly in small towns or rural America. Now, you still get paid more if you go to college, but, but it's not that much more than, say, if you get a trade or a two-year technical uh, degree. And so what we take from this study is that, when, especially when we're talking to young people about what they want to do uh, with their life and with their career, uh, is they should certainly figure out, you know, what, what do they enjoy doing? They should certainly think about the financial implications, but they also need to think about geography. Yep. You know, where do they want to live? And it's going to be different if they want to move to the big city than if the, maybe they want to stay in their small town. You know, Michael, one of the things I think is so interesting um, we saw this study that came out of, I believe it was NYU's medical school up in New York. And, you know, they looked at the cost of going there and how, you know, we have this huge shortage of general practitioners because so many people are going to these high dollar medical schools that they have to specialize, you know, in the neuroscience of rats. You know what I'm saying? Like something so mm -hmm. specific. Yeah. Um, that you end up having all these specialists and you don't. So I, I believe the reason it even stands out, because I think New York State was doing a thing where they said, hey, if you go to medical school and you become a general practitioner, then we'll pay back your tuition. You know, we'll pay those loans for you because there is just such a, a, a loss. But you, you end up in that same situation. Where do you work? In these big metropolitan areas. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's just a reminder that, look, our, our economy looks very different depending on where you live. And, uh, you know, kind of in the same way that we're thinking about the pandemic right now. You know, there's some places where, uh, you know, especially back in March, things got really bad and, and a total shutdown, lockdown made sense. Other places, maybe less so uh, if they were fortunate not to have that kind of problem. And so, yeah. so you know, we have to uh, really think about, uh, especially when it comes to education, we really got to think about geography. So, you know, I focus a lot on K-12 education, thinking about high schools, for example. And, you know, in the last couple of decades, most high schools have been very focused on getting kids to uh, ready for traditional college, you know, college prep, now four-year colleges. And yet what we find out is that in most parts of the country, many young people would do uh, just fine going to get that technical degree instead and maybe not racking up so much debt. And so if that's the case, then our high schools uh, need to get with the program. And, and especially in smaller towns and smaller metro areas, make sure they've got a high quality career and technical education offering for young people where they can get started on a trade or get started on a technical credential while they are still in high school, rather than making everybody get ready and pretending like they're going to all become philosophy majors yeah. uh, going off to college. You know, we're sitting in this studio right now about a stone's throw away from us is SLCC, with South, which is South Louisiana Community College. And what we are seeing in so many of their programs, whether it's welding or 
you know, CDI, the commercial driver's license, um, or excuse me, CDL, is they have employers who are literally standing at the finish line saying, you get this degree, we have what could be a six-figure job waiting for you, and we'll pay for your schooling. And and I think that's what you don't yeah. typically see. There is much less of an emphasis on career placement at the four-year level. Then, you know, these community colleges and technical schools, they make it happen, you know, and it's corporate partnerships, yeah. which have been very successful here in our area. Um, but but that's a big part of it. Uh, you, you said you kind of focus on K-12 through education. I know in recent years we've had a lot of that technical training. I know whenever I was younger, it was called industrial arts. Some people would call it shop, mm-hmm. you know, shop class and things like that. Those things have been increasingly cut over the years um, in favor mm-hmm. of other more academic, you know, electives and, and different things. What are you seeing with that nationwide? Is that something that could maybe make a resurgence? The the home ex, the shop classes, could that come back? Yeah, you know, I, I think that it is in making a resurgence. Now, I don't know about home ec and shop per se, but certainly the notion that once kids are in high school, uh, there should be options for high-quality technical programs. Look, back in the day, some of those programs were not very good, you know, the old Votech system. Uh, and too often, it was the system who that decided who would go into those programs versus who uh, got to take the more academic classes. And, and that was often decided based on, you know, what side of the tracks you were living on. So that wasn't okay. Uh, but so we got rid of it. Now uh, people are realizing, well, we've got to rebuild something that's much better. And that means, as you said, uh, programs that help prepare young people for for jobs that actually exist today, you know, and some of the times this is, these are high tech jobs. Sometimes uh, you know the welding and the other trades, like you say, uh, you got to do it in a way that is in line with what industry actually needs. And probably for high schools, they've got to do it uh, in partnership with the technical colleges who have the expertise and the equipment to make it happen. Michael Petrelli, great conversation. Uh, I mean, just to think. I mean, how much decisions are made in the first what uh, 17, 18 years of someone's life? that could go that far, I think it's definitely worth looking at, especially when we're talking about education. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, 721 now. Good. It is fascinating. Thought-provoking. Gosh, and you know, the, the folks at SLCC, mm-hmm. let me tell you, last year um, when I hosted their convocation for all mm-hmm. of their faculty members, and I walked into this room, I think it was 450 people, and that was just the full-time staff. Not including... Not all right. the... Part-timers right. or, or yeah. maybe someone who just teaches one class, class one night a week. Right. Yeah. And I guess I didn't even realize. Okay, so you're talking about this many people. So talk about how many students they serve and everything else. I mean, it's definitely something that has to be at least given the time of day. Oh, especially if you have a high school junior or senior who just mm-hmm. doesn't really know what well, they want to do. Yeah, right? and maybe there is something. And, you know, if, if they find out more about it, like you're saying, you know, that that might be something that just totally sets them on fire. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and this will make people mad, but like the like the dance degrees, mm-hmm. like unless you go to do that professionally, it's what or or you find a way to make money, money. teaching that. Right. Then I it guess it can maybe be very difficult. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you get this degree, you might end up doing something that you could get with a general studies degree, which maybe you could jump further into the workforce right. earlier with a two year degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyway, it's very interesting. All right. Quick break here coming up on the show. 7.30 on the dot, we're going to talk to Blake Miguez, talk about some of those um, gun bills that were signed mm-hmm. by the governor. He was very instrumental in those. And also the question of tort reform. What is the path forward? 
So we're going to talk to him coming up on the show. Stay with us. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Depend on. Did you get that perfect bed yet? If you've not gotten a sleep number bed, you didn't get the perfect bed yet. Look, the sleep number bed is amazing. Everybody needs a little de-stressing, right? Especially in all the different life changes all the time now you got this to do you got this COVID response are you in the office are you out of the office look if you just need some de-stressing need to get that great quality sleep a sleep number bed is going to do that for you my sleep number setting is at 50 right now so I get my own sleep number setting Brett's is at 60 see with the sleep member bed you and your spouse each get to have your own individual sleep number setting it's amazing look you spend all this time having to work and juggle everything that we have going on right now so you deserve a bed that's going to work for you how do you do that well you get a sleep number bed they have all this research to back up all the wonderful things that have happened with the sleep number bed help people fall asleep faster they get a deeper more restful sleep Okay, and, you know, sleep affects your immune system. And if you're not getting that restful sleep, your body is not going to be as protected as you want it to be. Discover the proven quality sleep for your family's health and well-being, specifically for you, mom and dad. Look, today you're going to save 50 percent on the sleep number 360 limited edition smart bed. It's the lowest prices of the season. You go to sleepnumber.com to take a look or just go to the sleep number store right at the corner of Settlers Trace and Ambassador Caffrey. You go there, you check it out for yourself. Very easy, comfortable environment. And you figure out how great your sleep is going to be. A sleep number bed is the perfect bed, I think. Talk 96.5. Depend on it. It's open enrollment season, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that saves most families about $500 a month. Google MediShare and see if it's a fit for you. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL96.5.com. In Vermilion Bay, the U.S. Coast Guard suspended its search over 25 hours looking for someone Mm -hmm. who went overboard uh, just south of Sippermore Point. You can read more about that at kpel965.com. Also at kpel965.com, the latest on the legislature. And uh, the bills signed into law, also the few that were vetoed by the governor. A couple of those uh, coming in uh, the last week were two pro-gun bills. Uh, one of them, which limits any additional um, any additional requirements or, or blockages, restrictions, I guess I should say, on firearms. Um, those uh, put together and authored in part by Blake Miguez. He joins us on the phone now this morning. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing this morning? We're doing great. You sound very chipper, and um, I have to commend you for that because if I was in the legislature, I'd want to pull all my hair out. <laughs> well, they're trying to wear us down, but I get energized every week, especially on Monday mornings to go to work for the people of Louisiana. That's so I'm ready awesome. to get to the Capitol. And uh, get to work because we've got a lot of work to do to to get our state rebuilt um, from the pandemic of COVID nineteen, yeah. as, as well as some of the other challenges across our country right now. You know, we're, we've been watching all this, and a lot of 
a lot of these issues that we're talking about, it comes down to revenue, and there are going to be some issues, you know, with this going forward. I know there has been a lot of conversation about, you know, what do we do? Obviously, because we had a tandem crisis. Not only do we had COVID nineteen, we had oil and gas mm. issues, oh, and had that yeah. record day where we were trading in the negatives. Um, but and so that's going to be a big, big part of what you guys have to do over the next year. Well, you're right. And when we brought the uh, HB1, which is our budget bill, through the House floor about a week or two ago, I made that point on the microphone telling the new members that just joined the legislature, this vote is actually an easy one for the budget because we have hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, of CARES Act money coming in for the federal government to offset COVID-related expenses. But we're looking, for, we're looking forward in time. And our mid-year um, budget analysis or our next year's budget, we could have a shortfall of hundreds of millions of dollars if we do not get Louisiana's economy reopened quickly, safely, mm-hmm. and rebuilt. So, and, and no one knows what that will look like going forward. So it's important that we get Louisiana's back to work and we get our economy back going because that's going to determine what the budget picture will look like next year when those federal funds are no longer there. Gosh, we, we still continue to get questions about the tourism industry are you guys hearing about that? I know there's a big push in, in other parts of the country to say, all right, we're open now. Start, you know, start to come back. Mm-hmm. But people are worried. Yeah. However, a big part of our economy is that mm-hmm. that tourism industry. Exactly that. And um, part of it's a lot of locals eating at the restaurants. And I know that 47% of all local restaurants in Louisiana had shut their doors for COVID-19 with uncertainty on whether they wow. would reopen again. And many of those restaurants in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is one of the areas hit hardest by the pandemic and one of the slowest areas to reopen. So the, it, a lot's still up in the air for that industry. Obviously, it is one of the backbone pillars of our economy, as well as agriculture and oil and gas. And we know that oil and gas has been struggling over the last six years. So Louisiana is in very challenging times, but that's why we have to work really hard in the legislature to try to pass some legislation that spurs our economy, that helps small business owners. And at the same time, we have to encourage our governor to pray hard on his decisions to reopen our state as quickly and as safely as possible. Because if we can't, if, if those individuals can't go to work and they can't go back and run their businesses, then um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough time for Louisiana to recover moving forward. Yes. So we, we're, we're praying for everyone and we're working really hard and we're, we're hoping for the best for Louisiana because this is very challenging times we face today. Let's talk about tort reform because um, we, we saw what happened. We know the governor signed um, signed a bill, um, but it, it doesn't move forward in the way I think that a lot of Republican voters were hoping that it would go. Is there any sort of mechanism to get sort of back on track, especially when you're talking about the jury threshold, especially when you're talking about some of the other requirements that are very specific to the state of Louisiana? Yeah, we, you know, we talked about this last time I was on the air. There was yeah. a snafu, and the bill didn't get passed in the form that I think most Republicans would have liked to seen it in. And the governor ultimately vetoed that bill. The legislature came back with multiple versions of the TARP reform bill, of many good bills. Uh, at the end of the day, the legislature moved a bill and many new bills through the House and then fixated on one bill, which is the bill that's authored by the Speaker of the House, Clay Shakespeare. Now, that bill very much looks very similar to the Talbot bill that was brought the first session. It just doesn't have the complicated um, portion that we talked about in the last show, and it doesn't address one or two areas of controversy. But the bill will be heard on the Senate floor tomorrow. It's in a posture that I think is is good, and I hope it stays there and comes back over to the House. It's in a posture that can lower auto insurance rates. And for the listeners out there, 
it's important to, to let everybody know. I know you see it from uh, paying your bills, and it's um, we have the second highest auto insurance rates in the country, and we've got to do something about that. Not only for your personal auto insurance rates, but also for these business owners that are paying, in some instances, double the auto insurance rates of a big truck company right over in our neighboring Texas state. So we've got a lot of work to do there. Um, TARP reform was one of the main. Um, in the, in the, in lowering our auto insurance rates was one of the main goals of the Republicans coming into this session before COVID-19. Obviously, COVID-19 threw in a lot more challenges and, and changed our time frame a little bit. And we addressed other issues like COVID-19 liability for small yeah. business owners and some other economic stimulating bills. But TARP reform still remains one of our priorities. And look, the positive news is it passed the House with 78 votes. That's an overwhelming supermajority. In the House, it takes 70 votes to have a supermajority. It got 78 votes. Now it goes over to the Senate with a supermajority of Republicans, and we hope to have that bill back with over a supermajority vote as well. And we want to deliver to the people of Louisiana lower oil insurance rates with a good TARP reform bill. But it'll be up to the governor to sign that bill for it to become law. So be stay tuned, and uh, we'll see how things turn out over the next few weeks. Well, and I also think it's worth noting, because one of the things Bernie and I were told um, when we were at an event in Baton Rouge was not only are you talking about the high prices, you're also talking about some businesses that could not get coverage. And so I, I believe that one of the specific uh, instances which we were talking about was a logging company that ended up relocating just north of the border in Mississippi because then everything could be covered through the state there. And I, I would imagine that's not what you're wanting to see. That's right. Well, he, he, if you ever heard the term judicial hellhole, that's the description of Louisiana. And without insurance companies that actually want to come to Louisiana and take the risk and ride here, you don't have competition, which drives the auto insurance rates higher. And you're seeing some of these companies moving across the border to get lower auto insurance rates just to stay in business. Now, we're talking about small family-owned businesses. If you look, there was a new senator, Senator Cloud, who was elected in the Senate, mm -hmm. and she has a small trucking company, just a handful of trucks. And their auto insurance rates um, nearly doubled. And it's just something that's not sustainable, especially with the economy, with COVID-19 being hit so hard. These small business owners are struggling to survive. The last thing they need is the second highest auto insurance rates in the country. And the legislature is working on improving that. If the governor does not sign the bill that the legislature is here to pass, We'll have a discussion on potential veto override, as well as there's other instruments in the process to actually suspend different areas of the law, um, which provides for TARP reform piecemeal, and the governor has no say-so over that. The legislature can suspend a law with the same vote that they passed it for up to a year. So things like jury trial threshold, for example, that you brought up earlier, Rob, Right now, the proposal has it to lower it from the 50000 range down to the $10,000 mark. Well, there's a bill in the process, a, a suspension resolution, that if it passes, it would go to zero because it actually strikes that area of the law. So at the end of the day, the governor is going to have to decide, does he want a zero threshold or does he want an omnibus bill to $10,000 threshold? And we hope that that encourages him to do what's right for the people of Louisiana and sign the TARP reform bill to lower auto insurance rates for businesses and for us in our personal households. I want to talk real quickly before we let you go. By the way, we're joined by ERIF Representative Blake Miguez, um, getting ready to head back into work uh, this week, more of the legislative session. House Bill 140 um, bars local governments from restricting handguns in areas beyond what's already covered by state and federal law. Um, this is not the only law that does something like this, because a lot of times it's, you know, you have to ask these questions 
which law supersedes the other one? You know, and there's there's often not a clear answer, but now we do have an answer, especially on this one when it comes to gun restrictions, and this was a bill you authored. This is a very important bill that we've been trying to pass through the legislature for a number of years now, and we passed it through the legislature this year with a supermajority vote in both chambers, as well as the governor signing on to this bill, as well as four other pro-gun bills. And then one of the important points to point out is the governor, in being elected for the last five years, has never taken a public position on a specific piece of gun legislation, whether it was good or bad. And this time he got four pro-gun bills on his desk, he prayed on them, he thought on them, he talked to stakeholders, and he signed the entire package. And I'd like to thank him for doing that. Um, so what HB 140 does is it makes sure that law-abiding citizens, those concealed carry permit holders, our friends and our neighbors who have gone through background checks, who've got firearms training, who have no criminal records, and that wanted to apply to, to have a concealed carry permit, those individuals know exactly what the law is, whether they're in Iberia Parish, Lafayette Parish, Lake Charles, or they go into, if they're brave enough, Orleans. And so what it does is that it, whatever the state law is and wherever the state law restricts firearms, that is the law of the land. So it, it prevents local ordinances or local municipalities from passing laws that are more restrictive than the state level. And the reason why I brought the law is because we don't want a law-abiding citizen concealed carry permit holder to unknowingly becoming a criminal just because he doesn't know what the law is in 367 different municipalities across the state. This has been done in many other states, and uh, it protects law-abiding citizens' rights, and uh, it was a great bill, and I thank the governor for signing it. I thank the legislature for passing it with an overwhelming supermajority vote. Hey, Ruth, Representative Lake Miguez, hey, thanks so much for your time, and I hear you're going to yes. be you're going to be wading into the waters of up close in the afternoon one day this week, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm on a radio show in the afternoon. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I think we'll have an exciting time. One of my special friends, my my gun-toting pal, Bernadette, we're going to be on the show <laughs> Tuesday or Wednesday. Just... Well, probably I'm probably going to harass you on Tuesday if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. We could talk about the other gun bills. And yeah. uh, I still remember taking that picture with you when I first ran for office where we, we turned our fingers into guns like Yosemite Sam. Yes, <laughs> remember? That was fun. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're kooky. Mm-hmm. Hey. Well, well, back then, my hair was a lot darker. It didn't have all these grays for running the, uh, the, yeah. the supermajority in the, the house now. <laughs> all right, we appreciate your time this morning. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Have a great week. You too, sir. Take care. All right, it is 741 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Up next, waiting in the wings, Jackie Woo, Russo and yeah. Brand Buzz. That's coming up next. Well, after a fairly hot stretch of weather, we've got some relief on the way, but that's going to be coming in the form of some showers. A pretty wet forecast here through the first half of the work week. You've got 70 to 80% rain chances rolling all the way through Wednesday. Showers and thunderstorms going to be with us throughout the day today. Do be on the lookout for an isolated strong thunderstorm or two. That will continue all the way through the rest of the week as well. I think when all is said and done, could be looking at several inches worth of rainfall, maybe two, two and a half inches as we we go through Wednesday into Thursday. As far as temperatures go, we're sitting in the upper 80s today, about 87 degrees here in the afternoon with your lows down in the mid-70s. Looking pretty similar temperature-wise over the next couple of days. Winds from the southwest at 8 to 12 miles an hour. Keep the umbrellas with you as you make your way about town this week. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
You're listening to American Ground Radio's Morning Minute. Last week, Quaker Oats changed the name of its Aunt Jemima brand of pancake batter to eliminate the connection to racist minstrel shows common in the 1800s. You know what? Rename everything you want. Go ahead. Do all that. But remember, at the end of the day, parents are still burying their children from the senseless killings in our communities. A generation of children are growing up without fathers. Families are still struggling with generational poverty. And you think renaming a pancake box is going to make a difference in their lives? As a nation, we're right now focused on very symbolic actions. But none of those symbols are going to change real lives. American Ground Radio, where building a better America begins with building a better us. Return each Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. with Louis R. Avalone and Stephen Paul on News Talk 96.5 KPL and streaming live at KPL96.5.com. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. And double checking what's happening in our traffic at this hour. Still the only thing up on board, Southeast Evangeline Thruway and Surrey Street. Hopefully it's been moved to the side of the roadway. Hey, please buckle up out there. Right, it is 7.45 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. We thank uh, Blake Miguez for coming on with yes, us. Some great information. Mm-hmm. And I know you'll... Well, d- and I can't wait to hear. Yeah. dive down. You'll have way more time, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, Jackie Russo joins us in studio. It is time for Brand Buzz. Good morning. Hi. Hello. Good morning. So what's going on in your world? Well, we were going to talk about sales and marketing today because it's mm-hmm. so important. But with all that's happened in the past couple of weeks, we uh, shelved that one for a week. And instead, the blog post that will be posted this morning is on cancel culture. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people posting things and getting themselves canceled. So first of all, there was who was I talking to about this? Was it maybe when I did? Oh, it was when I did off, um, Offsides with Shannon Wilkerson. And we were talking yeah, about this, probably. Uh, talking about cancel culture. And to which I think... You know, you see people making these big these big blunders on social media. And he was making the argument, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was making words in the argument like, even though it's not a First Amendment protected thing, that the implications are even worse than the government. You know, the whole right. point of the First Amendment is to keep the government from telling you you can't do something. But he said, look, the way some of these things happen, and they, and they fall off the cliff. I mean, like, in a day, you know, people are, are furious, they're mad, and everything else. I almost think, and you know, it, it is the day after Father's Day, but I look at so many things as teachable moments. Sure. You know what? It does not bother me that you do something stupid like that because it gives me one more thing I can explain to my kids who are only five and six and don't have Instagram or Finstagram or Facebook um, to say, this is why you don't do it. Our parents told us, if you don't want anything repeated, don't put it in writing. Right. Now it's writing or social media, or a tweet. I mean, it, it just is a big deal. Well, there's a couple of different layers to all of this. Um, you look at the things that people are writing, posting, doing currently right now, and we say, oh, it's so much worse than, than being thrown in jail. You look at countries where there are no First Amendment rights, and you do get censored and arrested 
for things you post, that's pretty bad. So I always want to remember that the freedoms we are afforded by the Constitution really do provide us a special place Mm -hmm. um, and a special country that, you know, I'll defend because I think it's awesome. And if you really stand up, if you're really willing to put yourself on the line for something you believe in that much, that you would be okay if your company decides to fire you. Because I think that's where it comes to the other part. Because someone called in, um, I think that was what started the conversation. Someone called in and said, you know, but do you really want to be the company that infringed on someone's First Amendment rights by firing them for what it does? And But they're not infringing on their rights. That's the deal. The company is still, you're still... You're not in jail. And and 99.9% of companies have social media policies that tell you what you can and cannot do while representing them. And most companies, you represent them 24-7. No matter if it's private page. Even if you post it at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, you're still Mm -hmm. representing the company. So when you sign that contract for employment, don't just sign it. You might want to read what you're signing. Because it absolutely tells you what you can and cannot do. And some companies' corporate culture allows for a very uh, lax social media Mm -hmm. safeguards. Like, hey, you do you. Post how you feel. So our company, for example, we are a diverse mix of um, everything. Socioeconomic, political, whatever. And so if someone in my company posted some of their political beliefs, I support that. And I support the fact that their politics are not my politics. And I'm okay with that. Simone, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, okay. But, uh, but not every company feels that way. Some companies have to toe the line because of the kind of business they are. Mm-hmm. We have to give freedoms because of the kind of business we are. And so you need to know where you're working. I do notice a lot I, when I see tweets and Facebook posts, a lot of the Silicon Valley um, companies where I think, Oh my God, like I could, I can't believe you would be free to post this. And your, you know, your subtitle is vice president of XYZ. I mean, we're seeing it happening right now at with ABC News. There's an executive who apparently all this time has been extremely racist in her policies. You know, and you talk about contract negotiations and things that were said. And then you look, and she's also the person who's the head of diversity within the department. <laughs> and it, and wow. you, know, you look at it and you shocking. think, well, how did you, like, how did someone along the way say, number one, you can still be here, but number two, that that's the department you're in charge of? Right. But the other part of, of cancel culture is not the things you're doing right now knowingly and willingly. It's things you posted 10, 20, 30 years ago that might have been a little, um, a little bit inappropriate for the time, but by today's light, through today's lens, are horribly inappropriate because we've evolved as people, thankfully. And so it's it's a little bit challenging when we see someone getting canceled for something they did decades ago mm-hmm. when they were a different person and we were a different people. And so I wonder, well, are, should we do things based on today's lens? Yeah, you know, and I think that as Bernie and I have had this conversation a ton of times because we end up with these stories. I know the one that happened, it was was it the governor of Virginia who in his uh, 1978 medical yearbook, medical school yearbook, he was dressed in blackface for a Halloween costume. And where we know in 2020, the pain that causes. And how inappropriate that is. And why you can't do it. Absolutely and, and everything wrong. Else. Think about it in 1978. We weren't having that. We weren't having this conversation the same way. It was on TV. Mm-hmm. It, it, characters, movies, even into the 80s. There were movies 
I mean, all those stupid comedies from the 80s and 90s. And so obviously, almost 50 years ago, we probably shouldn't be canceling someone Mm -hmm. for something that was okay then, just isn't now. Let me ask you about this, because I was actually pretty surprised. And this came out on the, the first episode of the expanded Up Close with Bernadette Lee. And it was about how offended there are some people to the word Cajuns to be looped in to being called a Cajun. And in the specific situation that was being explained, this person was on a business trip talking to someone. I don't know if it was at an airport bar, or hotel bar, something or a yeah. restaurant and mm-hmm. said, oh, you know, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. And the other person who was not from here said, oh, so you're a Cajun. And that was highly offensive to this person. Why? And I was surprised because to me, I think people just associate the area. They don't they don't know it's a culture, like a specific culture. And then, you know, I was talking to someone after and I it about I didn't even know that was a thing, like people being offended. And they explained how there are some places you'll notice places of businesses in our community that will not ever use Acadiana in their marketing. They will always use Southwest Louisiana. And it goes along to the same thing. Have you ever experienced that or or heard it or known known people to have an issue with that? No, no. And I've lived in other places. I work in markets all over the country. I purposefully wear a Raging Cajuns um, paraphernalia almost every time I fly because I love spreading the Raging Cajun culture into other areas. Um, when I was in Los Angeles, you know, I'm 22, just out of college, young, green, mostly dumb and I did get a lot of heat. People thought I was not intelligent because of an accent. People thought I was uh, less accomplished because I didn't have an Ivy League education. People, I mean, there were definitely some misconceptions, but I wasn't offended by that. I just felt like I needed to work harder, do better. And I did, and it was fine. Um, I love that our university are the Raging Cajuns. Now, I'm not a Cajun by DNA. I don't. I don't have generations of uh, connections to this community. I didn't have family that was kicked out of Nova Scotia and had to come here. I am honored to be associated with those people because they are the true grit and a pearl of our community. And so I I wish I did have some DNA connection. Um, I had to marry an Italian immigrant um, yeah. <laughs> to get a little culture in my family lineage. But um, no, I, I can't imagine ever being offended by being associated with the Cajuns, I would be honored. So can people um, get more information about what you talked about, cancel culture on sure. the blog? Sure, absolutely. Go to brandrusso.com, click on Razor Branding, you'll see the blog, you'll see the podcast, you can subscribe to any and all of it. And so we're talking about all those things when people are getting uh, canceled all the way back to products that have existed for hundreds of years that in a week are now gone. Jackie Russo, 11 years and going strong. Crazy. Brand Russo, right here on Acadiana. 12 years. News. Oh, 12. May oh, of 08. Uh-oh. We crossed into the 12th we year. We did. Well, it was a little bit surrounded by a pandemic, so yeah. we didn't have the typical yeah. anniversary celebration. All right. Yeah. We're back with more after this. Stay with us. Leveraging the power of Fox News Radio to cover the big issues that matter to you. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Depend on it. Fox News commentary. Beware misleading coronavirus statistics. More next. You're more focused than ever on keeping your employees and customers safe. CentOS has the products and services you need to feel prepared. Our CentOS technicians can apply our disinfectant and sanitizer spray throughout your facility. 
Our ultra-clean service for restrooms uses a sanitizer effective against certain germs, bacteria, and viruses. And we'll help you stay well-stocked with hand sanitizer, face masks, and essential PPE. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. Coronavirus cases are surging in various parts of the country, leading to breathless media coverage. But be careful. We are doing far more testing than we ever have. The more tests we conduct, the more likely we'll get positive results and cases will rise. That's a natural and inevitable outcome. More important are infection rates, not raw numbers, and crucially, hospitalizations. If increased testing is turning up more positive COVID patients who are younger and healthy with very few symptoms, and that's not translating into dangers to vulnerable communities or unsustainable hospitalization numbers, that would mean that overall the reopening policies are a success. But if infection rates and hospitalizations start to spin out of control, that would be a problem. Let's be vigilant, but let's not conflate a spike in cases with a policy failure. Context, data, and thoughtfulness should drive our decisions, not narratives. That's your Fox News commentary. News Talk 96.5 KPEL Brobridge, Lafayette. He hopes the president he worked for is not reelected. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. A lot of people have complained that he has a short attention span and he doesn't focus. I want to say when it comes to re-election, his attention span was infinite. And John Bolton tells ABC News the president tried to get Ukraine and China's help to win in November. Democrats have criticized Bolton for not testifying at the impeachment trial. He says it would not have made a difference. And there's new reaction this morning. Fox's John Decker live in Washington. Former acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney on Fox and Friends criticizing former National Security Advisor John Bolton, who is on a full-scale media blitz promoting his tell-all book. It was hard to watch to have somebody who's in the Oval Office with the president almost every day um, sort of turn on him just because he didn't like the style. The White House said it plans to ensure that Bolton receives no profits over allegations the book contains classified information. The memoir will be available tomorrow after a federal judge on Friday denied the administration's request to block it. Dave? John, the president has again come out against expanded mail-in voting, tweeting the 2020 election will be rigged claiming foreign countries and others will print out millions of ballots. The president also tweeted the surge in coronavirus cases in many states is because of more testing. But Dr. Tom Inglesby at Johns Hopkins told Fox News Sunday. Increased hospitalizations, so serious illness happening. That's not just because we're doing more testing in the state. That's because there is more serious disease. Worldwide, there was a new record set in new cases, nearly 9 million now. NASCAR says it's angry and outraged, investigating what happened to Talladega in Alabama before yesterday's rained-out race. A noose discovered inside the garage stall of Bubba Wallace, the only black full-time driver in NASCAR's Top Cup series. Fox's Jared Max. Bubba Wallace called this, quote, a despicable act of racism and hatred. Wallace led the push for NASCAR to ban Confederate flags at events. They'll try to race again today. America's listening to Fox News. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? 
No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. We mentioned earlier the surge in coronavirus cases in the U.S. and even around the world. About a dozen states have seen record numbers lately, but New York City, where the virus was the worst in March and April, keeps seeing a decline. So more things are reopening today. What does phase two of New York City's reopening look like? It means 300,000 people will be coming back to work in offices, and there will be outdoor dining allowed, as well as some in-store shopping and hair salon visits. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo warned of the need to stay vigilant during his final COVID-19 briefing on Friday. We have to monitor the local infection rate. Local governments must ensure compliance and do tracing. We have to watch out for a second wave. New York City was the epicenter of COVID-19 at one point and has had one of the strictest stay-at-home orders in the country. More than 21,000 New York City residents have died from the coronavirus. In New York City, Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Also in New York, a police officer suspended for putting his arm briefly around the neck of someone he was trying to detain. Yo, stop talking to bro. That's the body cam footage. Yo, stop talking to Yo, he's talking to Let's go, bro. The police commissioner calls it an apparent chokehold. That's something that uh, Congress is looking into outlawing in the policing reform bill that will be worked on this week again in the House and the Senate. There was a shooting late last night inside the so-called chop zone in Seattle, the several block area set up by protesters keeping police out. One person seriously injured. Another shooting in that Seattle zone Saturday left a man dead, another critically wounded. And there was a shooting around midnight in Charlotte, North Carolina during a block party. Two people dead, seven injured, five others were hurt, hit by vehicles as they tried to run away. Something that we never want to see is either as a community or as a police department. That's Deputy Police Chief Johnny Jennings. On Wall Street, stocks could rise. Dow features up nearly 200 points. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Hi today, 88 degrees with storms in the forecast. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick with this update. The systematic recovery of Louisiana's health and economy from COVID-19 could take another step forward later today. Or we could be stuck in phase two of the recovery for another three weeks. Here's Brooke Tharrington. Public Affairs Research Council President Robert Travis Scott says Edwards' decision is certainly complicated by the recent spike in COVID numbers across nearly every region of the state. He says Edwards will have to determine whether or not this rise could eventually threaten our health care capacity. This was somewhat expected. The question is, are we just going to bump up and reach a new plateau? Or is this trend line the beginning of something that's going to be a little more alarming? But notes if the state doesn't move into phase three this week, it might not be a big loss. There's a lot that's open and, and working right now. I'm a 19-year-old was arrested on the scene of a stabbing in Lafayette on Saturday. Police say it happened on Maryview Farm Road shortly before midnight. The victim, 18-year-old Holden White, had a large stab wound to his neck. He was taken to the hospital. Now the suspect, Chance Seneca, was still on the scene and was taken into custody. He was charged with attempted second-degree murder. 21-year-old Aaron Gutierrez was one of the people injured in last Sunday's shooting on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. He's been arrested. It comes after Lafayette police say video surveillance helped determine that he was the one who pulled the trigger. Now that he's out of the hospital, Gutierrez has been booked into the Lafayette Parish Jail, 
on a charge of attempted second-degree murder. The search for a missing boater who went overboard during an incident that happened about two miles off of Sippermore Point June 19th, well, that search has been suspended. Officials with the U.S. Coast Guard made the announcement Sunday afternoon after searching continuously for the boater for more than 25 hours. Some good news for some local students. KTC reporting that Como High School's Rashawn Lede has been named national championship in the National Speech and Debate Association's National Tournament. Como High School students Presley Nutter and Jacob Foster named national runners-up. Nutter, an original oratory and Foster in dramatic interpretation, more than 300,000 students around the world competed for a chance to go to the finals. The Lafayette Parish School System is partnering with the GoGo Biblio Bookmobile Program to bring books to children in the community this summer. There are six schools in the parish that are hosting the Bookmobile. The GoGo Biblio Bookmobile will make stops this summer starting at Karenker Heights and Alice Boucher Elementary on Monday, June 22nd. They offer hundreds of books to choose from so kids can get prepared before school starts again in the fall. Governor John Bell Edwards is urging residents to participate in the 2020 U.S. Census. Kevin Barnhart has more. Fill out that census form, get it back. Edwards says so far Louisiana has had a 54% response rate. But we are dead last in the Gulf South. It's more than just a head count. This is our chance that we only get once every 10 years. The federal government relies on all this information to help guide distribution of about $1.5 trillion worth of spending. The pandemic has resulted in more time to complete the census. There are three ways to participate by snail mail, by phone, and online. My2020census.gov, but it's been extended till Halloween. I'm Kevin Barnhart. A Sports Illustrated report says at least 30 LSU football players have been isolated after they either tested positive for COVID-19 or had contact with players who did test positive. Some of the quarantined players admitted that they visited nightclubs near LSU's campus, which has been the source of over 100 new cases. Tiger Rag editor Ron Higgins says players have to stay away from large crowds. For them to wander off campus and go party and, and, and pick this stuff up is... Uh... Honestly, it's inexcusable, really. The state health department has received at least 100 reports of patrons and staff from multiple Tigerland bars testing positive for COVID-19. Anyone who visited Tigerland bars that weekend should consider themselves exposed to COVID-19 and self-quarantine for 14 days. Higgins says LSU put a lot of effort into providing a safe environment for players to train, and Coach Ed Ogeron says they may be forced to tell players they're prohibited from entering bars. And if you're going to go outside and party and stuff, well, then I, I question a little bit uh, about, I guess, your loyalty toward a program that's trying to do everything possible to get you back on the field to keep you safe. Numerous other schools have also reported players testing positive for COVID-19. Three Ragin' Cajuns athletes have also tested positive. The football season is still more than two months away, and Higgins says schools will continue to make the effort to play football this year. I think they barely want to play the season. How much of the season they'll play, I don't know. And uh, will there be any crowds? I don't know. An e pluribus unum survey shows a majority of Southern whites do not believe blacks have been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. Here's Matt Doyle. Nearly three-quarters of whites reported having been informed about the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on black citizens, but GBAO Strategies pollster Jim Kirstein says their survey shows that most whites don't think it's true. Only among black respondents do you see anybody saying that African Americans and Hispanics have been more impacted by the pandemic. That's despite official Louisiana Department of Health data showing that 53% of Louisiana COVID deaths have been African Americans who make up just a third of the population. I'm Matt Doyle. In some 
political news, President Trump blaming the recent spike in coronavirus cases on an increase in testing. This weekend's rally in Tulsa, Trump said he urged his staff to slow down the testing so there would be fewer cases reported. The White House is responding, saying that Trump was clearly joking at his rally. About 26 million Americans have reportedly been tested for COVID-19. Teenagers on TikTok are taking credit for the empty seats at the rally this weekend in Tulsa. Earlier in the week, the Trump campaign claimed it had over a million requests for tickets to the rally in Tulsa. But the event was only about two-thirds full. The fire marshal there says 6,200 people were actually inside that arena. Now, hundreds of teens and K-pop fans on TikTok claiming they registered for hundreds of thousands of tickets for a rally they never planned to attend. The one-time global epicenter for COVID-19 is reporting its lowest increase in deaths since the start of the pandemic. Italy reported just 24 deaths on Sunday, the lowest one-day total since March 2nd. The country's death toll stands at more than 34,000, while the active number of cases just under 21,000. However, Italy still ranks fourth in the world in deaths behind the United States, Brazil, and the UK. Well, after a fairly hot stretch of weather, we've got some relief on the way, but that's going to be coming in the form of some showers. A pretty wet forecast here through the first half of the work week. You've got 70 to 80% rain chances rolling all the way through Wednesday. Showers and thunderstorms going to be with us throughout the day today. Do be on the lookout for an isolated strong thunderstorm or two. That will continue all the way through the rest of the week as well. I think when all is said and done, could be looking at several inches worth of rainfall, maybe two, two and a half inches as we we go through Wednesday into Thursday. As far as temperatures go, we're sitting in the upper 80s today, about 87 degrees here in the afternoon with your lows down in the mid-70s. Looking pretty similar temperature-wise over the next couple of days. Winds from the southwest at 8 to 12 miles an hour. Keep the umbrellas with you as you make your way about town this week. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Morning News is brought to you in part by the Positive Coaching Alliance. Questions about youth or high school sports? Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA, a national nonprofit organization, develops better athletes and better people through youth and high school sports. More information can be found at positivecoach.org. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Right now, traffic. And double-checking what's happening with our traffic right now. Northeast of Angeline Thruway at East Willow. Northeast of Angeline Thruway. At East Willow, a report of a fender bender. If you got an update for us, you can call us 232-1542. All right, it is 8.15 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. Rain in Acadiana. It's dark out there. Expect storms. Uh, through the day today, about a 70% chance of rain, as you heard in Daniel's forecast. So if there's anything that could put a cloudy sky and a thunderstorm on my rainy or sunny day, it would be someone scamming someone else. Yep. And it is what they work on at the Better Business Bureau of Acadiana all day, every day. And Chris Babin joins us. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing well. We always mm-hmm. love to ask, kind of, all right, what's going on right now? Because it seems like scammers, yeah. they like to move to you know different people, target them different ways. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, I've been getting a ton of political emails, and I don't think they're all coming from the campaign. People are, are really trying to probably strike the emotions right now. Yes, definitely. We know that scammers follow the headlines. You know, they are moving along from 
the pandemic a little bit and trying to follow some different types of headlines now. Some of those being political, some of those being um, mortgage or rental property based. And we've had some, some pretty heavy reports of student loan debt forgiveness scams and those kinds of things pretty recently locally in the Acadiana area. You know, it's just something that people should watch out for. So, you know, what are you telling people right now to look for to sort of spot these things? Because we do know that, you know, especially upper end age wise tend to be more susceptible because they feel that companionship and the scammers know that. Yes, the scammers know that. They prey on emotions. They prey on um, the, the sense of urgency, the immediate need to provide some type of financial payment or some type of, uh, you know, personal identifiable information about yourself that would open you up to identity theft. You know, and those same tips really follow a lot of the same scams. You know, we've had reports recently of um, a, a local consumer in the Acadiana area whose home's for sale. Well, she came across the home, her, 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 her house on Craigslist for rent. What? Somebody had actually duplicated the listing, used the photos that she had used to try to put it for sale, and was having people go by and look at this property. Of course, he was out of town, was not able to meet with people in person, which is typically a red flag. Mm. And all that he needed was a deposit up front. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he was going to send them the keys to be able to move into that home right away. You know, so some red flags in that situation, he wasn't following the typical protocol that you would go through to rent a property. You know, mm. typically you want to meet somebody and, and do some type of credit check maybe or fill out some paperwork. Um, all he wanted was for you to send him a payment and you had that home that you were ready to move into. Isn't that you know, crazy? I, I mean, I, people just will do anything to try to steal money. Wow. Yeah, they will. You know, they're going to do anything that they can. Again, the reason this type of um, scam is happening right now is because the mortgage rates are so low. A lot of people are, are looking to move into different homes, possibly rent different homes. And the things that we look at typically um, about a, a home that we're going to be moving into, how close is to it, is it to my work, and that kind of thing, we're not really asking ourselves, is that, is that listing real? That's something we kind of take for granted sometimes. But if we look out for those red flags, you know, payments up front, the non-traditional um, processes, you know, we've all probably rented a place before, um, or just simply um, wanting everything to be urgent and happen right away and not being able to make real contact with somebody is definitely, you know, all definitely things to be on the lookout for. This is another good reason why we always like to talk to you, Chris, because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now who may have their home listed for sale right now thinking to themselves, I've got to go take a look and see if somebody is trying to rent this and get money and scam people. Um, the, the messages are so important because, like you said, there's always some new twist on something to try to get somebody's money. There's always some new twist. You know, recently with student loans, the, some of the loan servicers have been offering different types of uh, forgiveness and repayment terms, you know, a lot based on the economy and the pandemic. Well, we know scammers are impersonating those loan servicing companies, of course, calling individuals, telling them that, uh, you know, we can give you certain repayment terms that, that are better than you've had for a while, or we can actually forgive a portion of the loan. All we need is for you to make a payment today to engage into this plan. And again, we've had reports of this. People are making these payments, thinking that they're getting, um, you know, some, some good terms put onto the student loan debt that they have. And in reality, it has nothing to do with their student loan. And they're just making payments and getting scammed out of their money. Wow. You know, it's it's sad anytime we see it happening, but I, it, it is crazy because I think for a lot of people, it's not surprising. 
you know, and, and you start to see it and you understand mm-hmm. some of these things look so real. Um, you guys often send out kind of bulletins for mm-hmm. what's going on, what you're hearing about. How can people find those and find out more information? So definitely contact us anytime you have any questions about anything. We'll help walk you through the process, point out any red flags that might stand out to us. Um, 337-981-3497. They can always give us a call. Um, we are back in the office now on the corner of Congress and Gilbo. You can follow us on social media, Better Business Bureau Serving Acadiana. The most important thing is that we're all vulnerable to these scams. So the more information that we have, the more people talk to us, let us know, the more we can get the information out there and really compile some comprehensive tips and information to be on the lookout for. So just never hesitate to, to give us a call and let us know how we can help you. Yeah, and especially if something has happened to, to you, because if it's happening to you, it's probably happening to your neighbors, your family, everybody in your circle, you know? Absolutely. You're definitely not the only one being targeted. We really are all being targeted and in and, and different ways. So if you come across something, uh, you know, Take an extra second to think about it. We always say if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That definitely holds true with the majority of these scams. Um, So just take an extra second, think about it, especially before you give out some type of financial information or any of your personal identifiable information. Makes sense. Hey, Chris Babin from the BBB, thanks so much for your time. Good talking to you. Thank you, Robin Bernie. Appreciate it. All right. Absolutely. It's 822 now at News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Steve Peliquin is fired up this morning. Another weekend of no sports, and now we're trying to figure out how to find the new normal. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to him next on Acadiana's Morning News. Celebrating 20 years of enlightening Acadiana, Moon Griffon, next on News Talk 96.5. Cape. So a lot of us are still missing sports. It comes down to it just being like a normal part of our life. Golf this weekend. Uh, back in action again, no spectators and, and I'm not missing it, but you know, it just, it just does feel a little bit normal. Steve Peliquin joins us from ESPN 1420. Um, okay, here you go. Define normal for us, Steve. We need, you know, some normalcy, but it might be a while before we get it. You know, I say that and again, as I've been saying for, for four months, nobody really knows, you know, the NBA made the, uh, made the decision to come back on July 31st, but they were going to come back in Orlando, Florida with 22 teams. And of course, now you've got reports of the coronavirus, um, uh, numbers, uh, spiking once again in Florida, which brings us to Major League Baseball. And you know, a lot of people think that you know, with Major League Baseball, the reason why they're not playing is because the owners and the players can't come uh, together on an agreement, which is partially correct. And as a matter of fact, it's largely correct. But even if they would have an agreement right now, they 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 couldn't have spring training because a, a number of Major League players and executives and representatives tested positive for the uh, for the virus over the last couple of weeks in Florida, the other state in which numbers are spiking are in Arizona. Well, one of the two states that Major League Baseball holds spring training in is Arizona and Florida. So it's still very much up in the air. And, of course, now you got, you know, college athletes coming back. You know, the reports of, uh, what, 30 LSU athletes testing positive 
uh, for the virus last week. Uh, reports over the weekend that uh, a few members of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns and different sports tested uh, t- tested positive. It, it comes as no surprise to uh, uh, to me. I mean, when you when you're in quarantine and you come out of it, I mean, you, you're you're going to have this a little bit. The question then becomes is you know okay how much is is too much and uh, you know the bottom line is that nobody still knows you know uh, I, I guess fortunately uh, I use that term kind of loosely fortunately we have like two and a half months here to kind of figure it out before uh, you know football season begins you know I remember when all this first started happening I can't remember which league it was but one of them was like let's find an island where there's no one and let's just go there or you know or where there is no no trace of the virus and let's just go there then we know we're all safe we just keep on playing everything else i kind of wonder in watching what has been said about the lsu players and then i would imagine for the ul players as well i mean there's some people who are kind of mad because they're trying to do everything they can to keep these players safe and then they are still able to go out you know they still you know a lot of these were related to the tigerland bars area and and yes, yeah. the members of the general public can go. And so, you know, you don't want to say, like, take away all their freedom. But I, I do think that there's probably something there to say, hey, we want to be able to play. And I mean, this is a huge part of LSU's livelihood to be able to do this and to keep them safe, you know? Yeah, and, you know, the, the other thing, though, too, is, you know, you're going to have these athletes on campus where, you know, there are going to be some positive tests. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, I mean, that's just that's kind of just the way it is. And, you know, there will be some students that are going to come back. You can't quarantine the athletes, you know, all the time. Obviously, you quarantine them if, if they come back with a positive test. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't just quarantine them all the time. I think the problem is, is when you, know, you have all the other students that, that come back into the situation. And, you know, for the athletes that that do test positive. I mean, you know, they're there for involuntary workouts. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those things, involuntary workouts, the, uh, uh, the, the workouts mandated by the NCAA or allowed by the NCAA, uh, they don't even come into effect until, until next month. So you got to feel for these athletes a little bit. I mean, they, you know, they're away from home. Um, you know, there's no students on campus. Uh, you know, they're there to, you know, to help the football team or, you know, other sports, whatever they might be working out with. And, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, they got to be quarantined, you know, away from home for a couple of weeks. So I feel for them, but, you know, it's kind of just the way that it is in the world right now. You know, let's just hope that uh, we get rid of this, uh, you know, as, as, as soon as could be to get back, like you said, to uh, a life of normalcy, because I have nothing against golf. You know, I really don't. I watch all the, the major tournaments, you know, U.S. Open and the British Open and the Masters and, you know, the PGA and, and whatnot. But I'm kind of like you. And when, when I'm sitting there watching a golf tournament with no fans and, you know, it, it's not a major tournament and, you know, it's in it's in June because there's nothing else going on. And I'm just watching for the for the competition. I guess I just soon as well watch, you know, like team handball or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a great recipe for a good nap. It's quiet. The commentators are very soft-spoken in what they do, and so it's great. I, I, I say I'm watching golf. I'm really just trying to take a nap under the guise of I'm not taking a nap during the day. Uh, Steve Peliquin from ESPN 1420, he's an in-demand guy today. Got to let you go for time. Thanks so much for your time, sir. Rob, as always, it's been your pleasure. Uh, hey, it's Rob Kirkpatrick, and I want to tell you about a brand-new feature at KPEL965.com. Listen to every hour of every day of Acadiana's Morning News. Now, you need to just get up and listen to all the great interviews when they happen live. But maybe you're busy. 
or maybe you want to listen in your car in the afternoon, go to kpel965.com, click on Listen Live, and then click Acadiana's Morning News. There you'll find a podcast brought to you by LABI, Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. That's kpel965.com. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from kpel965.com. And now more news from around the country at New Jersey University. Changing the name of one of its primary buildings, Monmouth University will remove Woodrow Wilson's name from a building, citing the president's racist policies. The move comes four years after students asked the school trustees to change it. However, now President Patrick F. Leahy says the context has changed. Talking to the New York Times, he said that there's a heightened awareness about the former president's racist policies. A New York police officer who appeared to use a chokehold to arrest a black man in Queens on Sunday has been suspended without pay. The announcement came from NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea on Twitter. He said while a full investigation into the instance is underway, immediate action was necessary. Earlier, the NYPD's news Twitter released the officer's body cam footage saying an investigation was underway. It comes less than a week after New York City banned the use of chokeholds within their police department. The FBI is looking into a shooting in Minneapolis, which left at least one person dead and 11 more injured. Gunfire erupted early Sunday morning in a large gathering on Hennepin Avenue. Police don't believe the shooting is related to protests over the death of George Floyd. Investigators say they are following a number of leads, but no arrests have been made. Mayor of Minneapolis also considering whether to reimpose a curfew in the city. Some fans are protesting NASCAR's decision to ban the Confederate flag at their races. A plane trailing a large Confederate flag with the words defund NASCAR flew over Alabama's Talladega Super Speedway before yesterday's Geico 500 race got started. Outside, a parade of cars drove by while flying the flag on the back of their cars. NASCAR driver Ed Sugg flew the Confederate flag and a Donald Trump 2020 flag at his merchandise booth outside of the racetrack. Unfavorable weather conditions delayed that race until today. In an effort to social distance, only about 5,000 spectators were there in attendance. The man behind the Senate Republican police reform bill says accountability is a big part of it. On ABC's This Week, Senator Tim Scott specifically talked about stiffer penalties for false police reports. The South Carolina Republican added that character-driven law enforcement needs to be better emphasized. Senator Mark Warner says John Bolton has managed to do something really rare with his news book. On CBS's Face the Nation, the Virginia Democrat says his party and Republicans are united in their anger at Bolton. Warner says Democrats are mad because Bolton didn't testify earlier this year. He adds that Republicans are upset about the book being released this week. And finally, a new petition is calling for a change to the name of Ohio's capital city. The online petition is looking to another Italian, Guy Fieri, to rename the city Flavortown in honor of the restaurateur who was born in Columbus, Ohio. It's an attempt to distance the city from Christopher Columbus. Now, Fieri, who's noted for his charity work, including raising more than $20 million for restaurant workers during the pandemic, is more about what the city's about, says Tyler Woodbridge, who started the online petition. The online sign-up had more than 20,000 signatures yesterday afternoon. The mayor of Columbus, Ohio, said it had already taken down a statue of the Italian explorer outside City Hall, and placing it in storage. 
Showers and storms across Acadiana throughout the rest of the day today. Temperatures getting up to around 87 degrees in the afternoon with your overnight lows settling down in the mid-70s. Winds from the southwest at about 8 to 12 miles an hour. Staying rainy here over the next couple of days. Could be looking at several inches of rainfall through the midweek. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. This portion of Acadiana's morning news is brought to you by Compassion International. Join Compassion and give hope to a family in extreme poverty during COVID-19. Give a $40 one-time gift by texting the word HOPE to 83393. That's HOPE to 83393. News is brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac, where their pre-owned center has your next dream car, and it is ready and waiting for you. They're taking all the precautions after COVID-19, but it hasn't stopped them from offering great sales, great service, and of course, the wash out front. 1212 and 1214 Ambassador Caffrey, not far from I-10 and Lafayette. That's where you'll find Service Chevrolet Cadillac. And trust me, all your expectations will be met, even exceeded. Go by. You tell them Robin Bernie sent you at Service Chevrolet Cadillac. You're listening to American Ground Radio's Morning Minute. Last week, Quaker Oats changed the name of its Aunt Jemima brand of pancake batter to eliminate the connection to racist minstrel shows common in the 1800s. You know what? Rename everything you want. Go ahead. Do all that. But remember, at the end of the day, parents are still burying their children from the senseless killings in our communities. A generation of children are growing up without fathers. Families are still struggling with generational poverty. And you think renaming a pancake box is going to make a difference in their lives? As a nation, we're right now focused on very symbolic actions. But none of those symbols are going to change real lives. American Ground Radio, where building a better America begins with building a better us. Return each Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. with Louis R. Avalone and Stephen Paul on News Talk 96.5 KPL and streaming live at KPL96.5.com. Absolutely. So tell me about this, because there are some changes that have to happen, but really kind of the meat and the goal of what Lafayette is all about is still standing strong. Well, the changes are we've gotten bigger and we've gotten better. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, you know, we started off, you know, it was, you know, a handful of restaurants 16 years ago, and now it's grown to over 200 this year in particular. And, uh, you know, I, I think everybody's just ready for this campaign. Yes. Um, it's it so uh we're, we're excited you know uh you know you said some things have changed but you know we haven't changed in terms of our restaurants you know we, we're still the same and you know and we're looking forward to seeing everybody over the summertime well you know and i was gonna say some of the changes have been you know that people have found a way restaurant owners have found a way to make sure that people living in our area can still get the great food um, I know every year during Eat Lafayette, there's an unsanctioned competition of just what Rob likes. Okay, and so I, so <laughs> I, I usually I go around, end up giving a bronze, a gold, a platinum award, and I'm telling you, there's just so much good food. Year after year, I have a, a hard time even figuring it out. But you know, it's good to support these locally owned businesses. Ken, I, I often think when we have a restaurant that has to close in our area, you know, the immediate 
sort of feeling that people have emotionally is like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite place. That's where he went for my college graduation. That's where my parents took us on special occasions. And the, the my next question is always, well, when's the last time you went there? Because I think sometimes people forget it's a business that has its own bills and has to pay their own people. So supporting these local businesses in this way is just a win-win all around. It sure is. And look, we, we're having some unprecedented challenges here right now in small business. <clears throat> and uh, now, now we, we, local restaurants need to support more than ever. And, you know, times are tight, things are strange, but when you do go out, when you are looking to, to dine, just think of the local people first. It's so important. You can uh, so. find out more about this and look at the full list of reference of restaurants at lafayettetravel.com slash eatlafayette. It has all the information there. Um, and, and Ken, I always look forward to talking to you because you are so passionate about the restaurants, you know, and, and kind of what they bring to the, the landscape, what they bring to the fabric of our own community. And it's right there at the center. Well, we are so rich in this area. I mean, you know, like you said, we have so much good food, and it's so important to our cultural fabric. I mean, these restaurants are what makes what makes up Lafayette. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the nostalgia. You know, oh, this is a place I went to in high school for this special occasion. I mean, we are in the memory business. You know, we, 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 we are trying to bring that experience to every single one of our diners. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just so important. I mean, this is, this is what Lafayette's about. I mean, it's our food, our culture, it's our music, it's, it's everything. we got to preserve this and the only way to do that is to go out and support and enjoy what these restaurants do that's right that's right well everything kicks off today thanks for coming on for the kickoff day i know it's going to be a busy one for you um eat lafayette's got to run through september 13th this year so get out support that local business uh, you can again find out more at lafayette slash eat lafayette ken baron thanks so much for your time thank you rob thanks for helping us put the message out and you have a great day sir The Rush Morning Update is brought to you by Luxury Limo of Lafayette. Book your next traveling party at LuxuryLimoOfLafayette.net. So after city commissioners voted to slash almost $16 million from the Portland police budget, hundreds of protesters showed up at Mayor Ted Wheeler's house. The protesters shouted, Black Lives Matter, and hands up, don't shoot. They weren't mad that the budget had been cut. They were in a total rage because the $16 million cut was so small. They wanted a $50 million cut from the police budget. And one of the city commissioners agrees with them. She voted against the $16 million cut because, in her view, it wasn't deep enough. Now, meanwhile, in nearby Washington state, protesters showed up at the home of Cheryl Selby. She's the mayor of Olympia. And they vandalized her home. The mayor had declined to issue a curfew. When the protest started in her area, she went out of her way to express solidarity with these protester human debris types. But now she is singing a different tune. She says the Black Lives Matters protesters who spray painted her home are like domestic terrorists. She says that she's still trying to process what happened to her home. She complains, it just isn't fair. I reached out. Well, Ms. Mayor, uh, even though the security and condition of your home matters to you, it doesn't matter to them. All homes, like all lives, don't matter to the left. Certainly yours doesn't. Life really is unfair sometimes, especially in your case, isn't it? What are you going to do? Just because you can write does not qualify you to be a best-selling author. And the same logic applies to identity theft protection. You may be good at monitoring your credit, but that doesn't make you an authority on identity theft. Data breaches, 
Your personal information gets in the wrong hands. This becomes complicated stuff. Cyber criminals commit identity theft every day. Now, on your own, you could miss certain identity threats, like somebody taking out a payday loan in your name, for instance. Or your information stolen as part of a data breach put out there on the dark web for other cyber bad guys to use for their own selfish gain. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft, but let me tell you, LifeLock has the tools and the know-how to help you like no other. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to LifeLock.com, promo code RUSH. That's it. LifeLock.com, promo code RUSH, 25. Welcome into Acadiana's Morning News and the KPL Topic Train. Also, we welcome in our own blonde bombshell, Bernadette Lee. <laughs> Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Look, the, the train is speeding past us fast. I so think so, to, sir. We have to uh, jump jump on here. Um, it's Monday morning here. And, of course, the topic train brought to you by Bruce Hard Poche LLP, your firm, firm for a lifetime. So a, a new study has found that being a cat lover oh. makes men less attractive to you. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Um. Also, it goes Why? the same way. Okay. Okay. Women rated guys as less masculine and less dateable when they saw a picture of them with a cat in the background. <laughs> oh, this is great. Um, this research comes from Colorado State University, who took various photos of men. Okay. Some by themselves. Uh huh. And some holding a cat. <laughs> now, honestly. This seems like some cat haters who did right. this study because they didn't That's let them hold. Like, what if you were holding a snake? Right. Like, what if you were holding a bulldog? Would that be like, oh, macho? But right. no, you're holding a cat. So you know, if you're uh, if you're on the Tinder, Bumble, Match. dot com game, <laughs> maybe put your cat down. Right. So they have rated them less attractive. Yes. Yes. Um, yesterday, it was Father's Day, and I caught myself multiple times doing very fatherly things okay you're putting too much meat on the grill yeah you know, okay I mean, good they stuff were, there were about four people over uh -huh. I cooked for 36 you that's, know that's just how it goes i was gonna say that's like normal it's right? a cultural thing mm -hmm. you know i couldn't decide and so my brother-in-law literally was like hey are you really cooking that many pork chops i said well yeah because we want pork chops that's just the pack that i had in there <laughs> well then why do we need sausage because i want some sausage too you know i mean you just kind of run through the whole thing right um Twice yesterday, they were coming in and out of my back door, and uh -huh. I went to scream, "Don't slam that door!" And it's like an adult, but I—you've turned into your parents. I totally have. Um, yeah. This list uh, came out in honor of Father's Day. And it's the ten most common rules of the house that we all had growing up. Okay. You know, I want you to start thinking about one that stands out in your childhood. Just a rule that you had. Okay. Here are the top five. Um, a limit on TV time if it was a school night. 30% of people said they had Okay. That. No sweets after dinner. 34% said that. Wow. Okay. Number three, you can't leave the table until you eat all your vegetables. That was 35%. No TV until homework is done. And finally, you <laughs> can't play until you finish your homework. That's Okay, that's a most. big one. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that would be the biggest one. Yeah. I, um... Would always get messed up with daylight savings time because, yeah. or daylight saving time. Saving time. Because there was a rule at my house, and it was not like when the street lights come on. I know there's a lot of people who's, who have that rule, like when yeah. the street lights came on, you got to go home. Um, my parents would turn the outside lights on, but the garage okay. would still be open. Okay. But if I was not home, 
by a certain time, the garage would be put down and I had to go through the front door. And that's when I knew that was my, you know what? Right. Like it was, it was, it was a a serious thing. (laughs) Now, my parents were never huge about making us eat everything on our plate, but yeah, when we stood up from the table, we had to say, thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, that's really thank super you, nice. That's a, a good way to teach a kid to be grateful and, and yeah. thankful and yeah. complimentary. Well, and now I find whoever that, the host is. I mean, yeah. now, now I find I just have to make my kids like they say that, but then they just want to go do something else. They right. don't appreciate the time spent with us. Right. You know? And sometimes I'll be honest, I'll let them go. <laughs> Thanks. Give us a few minutes of peace. And like, we'll good finish to see y'all. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know. know. <laughs> so, what did you have? What did, What was there like a rule that those stood out? all of those rules were the big ones? Yeah. Although, um, I don't know. I think the probably the biggest was also don't talk back. Ooh, yeah. You know, yeah. Because you get in a lot of trouble for that. But I, I sort of find I was actually having this conversation with someone not long ago. Because we raise our kids differently now, uh-huh. okay? And, you know, even though, like, trust me, like, I'm the one that disciplines. Okay. okay? I'm the tough one. Yeah. But even still, <laughs> I like to have fun with my kids. And uh, so when yeah. they, like, when they clap back at me uh-huh. about something with a funny, it makes, I say, you know, that was a good one. You know, or like the, <laughs> yeah. like the whole deal about, um, you know, Sarah has a small tattoo, okay? Right. That. We're having a serious conversation about why it's important to never write on yourself at school. Oh. And the child says, well, you wrote on yourself Yourself. permanently. That is funny. That is funny. That is a funny Well, it's extra funny to any of us who are not you as the parent. And so I have to say, now that was clever. (laughs) That was very clever. But don't talk back. Right. Like, all I need you to say is yes, sir. Right. Like, I just need you to (laughs) say you understood. Now, I hope we get to a point where they say, I understand, uh-huh. but she wrote on herself permanently. Now that I could write, I could okay. deal with. You know, <laughs> your kids are great. I'm man. just saying. Is that, are but, you scared for the future, Rob? I mean, honestly. You know what? I I worry sometimes because they pick up on things like yeah. a sponge, and occasionally, like the younger one will just be like, "Ah, oh, I don't have time for this," <laughs> and walk out. And I realize it's because. One Y'all said, have said, said that, right? <laughs> or like, I don't have time for this. Frustrated right now. Anyway, um, another serious question that comes in the uh, day after Father's Day, I guess, yeah. is the question of how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Who doesn't know how to make a peanut butter I and jelly know. sandwich? Apparently, the internet has been arguing about the best way to make it. And if you're okay. wondering how many ways are, the answer is there are three. Okay. Okay. There are three ways. Wait a minute. There are three ways to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So most people take two pieces of bread. Yes. They put peanut butter on one side. Okay. Jelly on the other side. Okay. Slap it together and call it a day. Okay. That's not my way, but. Another way. Another way is. Peanut butter and jelly. On both sides. On both sides. Right. We always did that. Then you put it together. Okay. Um, You toss the second piece of plain bread on top. Apparently that's the one. Other. uh, Another one says. You put a little bit of peanut butter in the middle and on both sides of the bread, and you put the jelly in the middle. And when you put the jelly in the middle of peanut butter on both breads, it uh-huh. keeps the bread from getting soggy, Too soggy. from the jelly. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. I, just, I mean, I just really feel like. I mean, at that point, though, do you, yeah. 
I mean, I guess, I don't know. We always put the peanut butter on both sides of the bread. Okay. Then you put a little bit of jelly on both sides of the bread. So see, you did it the third way. And you mash it together. Yeah. You know, I don't, we never had soggy sandwiches. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've never liked jelly for that reason. You don't, you never, don't you were never jelly. into peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Plain peanut butter always. No oh, jelly. No kidding. Mm-mm. Okay, wait. I didn't like that, that might texture. Be it, why you you grew up too seriously. I also don't like. I didn't like bread pudding for the longest time for the same reason because it's just wet bread. And you were like, "This Gross. is this texture is weird was and it, strange." Yeah, but now, now you love bread pudding. Oh now, oh now, yeah. You know, all it took me was for me to get that donut bread pudding one time at and that rum sauce and mm-hmm. that diabetes diagnosis. Uh, now I feel like I have all. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the tools in my toolbox ready to go. Everything I have ever needed about it. <laughs> but that's good, too. Anyway, hey, by the way, shout out to the folks at Fizos and Broussard. Yes. Um, we had this uh, four-course dinner there on Saturday night. Mm. It was a silent auction item. Yes. From the Martinis event last Sweet. year. Sweet. It was amazing. And you know what? They're doing a really good job. They have a ton of space there with some of the big banquet rooms. Yeah. They have everyone spread out, super safe, so shout out to them. Nice. It was fun. Get breaking news first and exclusive content now. Download the free KPL News app, free in the App Store and Google Play. I'm Elizabeth McDonald, and this is the Fox Business Report. TripAdvisor says it'll lose $85 million in the current quarter, but it is seeing business pick up. The company says it's difficult to forecast the recovery path and when the travel market will regain pre-COVID levels, but it remains confident that travel will rebound. Bed Bath & Beyond says 95% of its stores will be open by the end of the week. It's also offering curbside pickup. More people are fixing up their homes while staying home, and that is helping Sherwin-Williams. The paint company is raising its forecast for the current quarter. Sherwin-Williams says it's gradually and safely reopened nearly all of its sales floors and it's been offering curbside pickup. While the company is selling more products to homeowners, its industrial auto paint and commercial businesses are not as strong. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Ginny Coselda, invested in you. You're more focused than ever on keeping your employees and customers safe. CentOS has the products and services you need to feel prepared. Our CentOS technicians can apply our disinfectant and sanitizer spray throughout your facility. Our ultra-clean service for restrooms uses a sanitizer effective against certain germs, bacteria, and viruses. And we'll help you stay well-stocked with hand sanitizer, face masks, and essential PPE. Visit CentOS.com and get ready for the the news you want to know. Attorney General. He lied to Congress. Chicken bar should have shown up today. You slandered this man. Circus political stunt. KPEL FM. Brobridge Lafayette. He was grossly incompetent and a liar. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. President Trump tweeting more shots at John Bolton, again claiming his book has classified information. It has it has nothing to do with making a profit. He is very critical of the president he worked for. Democrats are very critical of Bolton for not testifying at the impeachment trial. He tells ABC News it would not have made a difference. The way the House advocates of impeachment proceeded uh, was badly wrong. I think it was impeachment malpractice. Fox's John Decker has more White House reaction live in Washington. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany firing back at former National Security Advisor John Bolton, whose new tell-all book will be available to the public tomorrow. 
Yeah, John Bolton will be remembered as a failed national security advisor. He's a warmonger. He's someone who would have had us at war with North Korea and with Iran if it was up to him. Bolton, in his new book, paints the president as stunningly uninformed and manipulated by foreign adversaries. A federal judge ruled Saturday that while Bolton's book can be released, publishing it without formal clearance from the White House has exposed the country to harm and Bolton to civil and potentially criminal liability. Dave? John, the White House has just confirmed that Kevin Hassett will leave as economic advisor this summer. Now, the president has twice tweeted this morning the 2020 election will be rigged, calling expanding mail-in balloting stupidity, claiming that COVID is being used in order to cheat by using mail-ins. Speaking of the coronavirus... On Sunday, the World Health Organization reported its largest single-day increase in cases, more than 183,000 in just 24 hours. More than a dozen U.S. states are seeing major spikes in coronavirus cases. Fox's Todd Pyro. NASCAR is investigating after a noose was found in the garage of the only black driver in the Cup Series, Bubba Wallace. This is Talladega in Alabama. Wallace had successfully pushed NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag at races. America's listening to Fox News. When you're stressed, you just don't feel like yourself. New Natrol Relaxia, a full line of drug-free supplements to help you manage occasional stress and anxiety. A special blend of herbals keeps you feeling calm and balanced throughout the day. Because when there's less stress, there's more you. Try new Natrol Relaxia. Learn more at relaxiamood.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. David Horowitz's new book about President Trump is out. It's called Blitz. In Blitz, Horowitz warns that Antifa wants to stop Trump and crush our freedoms. Blitz predicted that race would be a big issue, but Trump has a secret plan for the election. Mike Huckabee says if everyone reads Blitz, Trump will win. A number one Amazon bestseller. Get Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer from Newsmax and save $28. Just call 800-NEWSMAX. That's 800-NEWSMAX. Or go to Blitz411.com. Blitz411.com. We have seen some selling on Wall Street so far this morning. Fox's Lillian Wu tracking the market live here in New York. Dave, that's right. The stocks uh, were down a little earlier. Now they're in positive territory again. Uh, worries are persisting about another wave of coronavirus, but some investors seem to shake that off. The Dow's up 10 points, S&P up almost 2, and NASDAQ up 27 points. World markets falling despite the first formal talks between the EU and China aimed at easing tensions over the pandemic and a U.S. airline resuming flights to China for the first time since the shutdowns starting Thursday. Delta passengers can fly from Seattle to Shanghai by way of Seoul. Dave? Uh, Lillian, we're still seeing more problems with the coronavirus and what it's done to the economy. Word report just out on home sales previously owned down nearly 10% in May. That's the third straight decline. A place infamous for being one of the coldest spots on the planet has been heating up, no doubt getting the attention of climate change activists. Temperatures in the Russian town of Vakhoyansk, sitting above the Arctic Circle in Siberia, hitting 100.4 degrees over the weekend, according to a Russian weather website. If confirmed, it would be the town's hottest day on record, and Vokoyansk is already recognized as having the world's most extreme temperature range. It once hit 90 below. Siberia is experiencing an unusually hot summer as the Arctic warms, the weather leading to wildfires. 
Simon Owen, Fox News. The price of oil is down a little this morning, still around 39 bucks a barrel. Gas is up a bit today. AAA's national average for regular is 2.13 a gallon. That's three cents more than a week ago. We mentioned the noose investigation in NASCAR found in the garage of black driver Bubba Wallace at Talladega, Alabama. It was on the same day of a rained out race. They'll try again today to get that race in. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News.